What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 129 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked that hockey is coming right up. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's fighting tooth and nail to be a hockey fan and a baseball fan at the same time. Frank, hey, how you doing? Good. Three days till preseason. Three days till preseason. Your favorite time of year. You don't care. I do. You don't get to celebrate a Bedard goal. I do. Um, It's going to be awesome. Is that hat new or have I seen it before? Um, Fairly new. Uh, I got it on my birthday, but I think I've worn it around you. You probably have. I just, I, I, it looks so vibrant and nice today. I know you fixed all the lights in the basement. I know it's great and all dandy in terms of the lighting. How's my lighting? That's good. And I like your Marlins hat. Thank you. We're both cheering for a team. We, Your favorite team's in the National League. My favorite team's in the American League. But right now, both of us are cheering hard for a team that we have secondary interest in in each other's league. And I think it's very funny. Are you not rooting for the Orioles? I'm rooting for the Orioles, of course. I like, I, I'm cool with the Orioles this year. Of course, my second favorite team in all of baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Um, and I, I'm, I got my eye on the Marlins. I want Jake Berger to make the playoffs. You know, the Marlins have been pissing me off lately. Their closer blown two saves, and I got him. And he's normally on point. He's looked horrendous. So. Yep, and you're trying to win a ship. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to win this week, but my pitching's been so bad. Eh, sometimes it happens at the worst time, man. He had an infinite ERA. Oh, no. Because he came in and didn't get it out. and then Did Yahoo just put in the little... He put in INF. <laughs> but he ended up getting some outs. But my pitching's been really bad this week. So hopefully I could steal some offensive categories, win a couple pitching categories, and we'll be on our way. But things aren't looking great. Well, Because then, then today I was tied in home runs, and I'm like, all right, as long as Castellanos doesn't hit a home run, um, that's fine. He could get a hit. I'll be okay with a hit. I'm already losing in hits. Comes up home run. <laughs> next at bat There's a deep drive to left field by Castellanos <laughs> Next at bat Castellanos comes up, home run Nuh-uh. I swear to God He's got two today? He's got two and three <laughs> So it's not looking good There's nothing I could do I mean, it's just Sometimes you just can't do anything That's very funny That is very funny I heard Really quick to Before we get into period number one I heard that you are already making comments to others about me possibly being chopped in the guillotine league. Well, you were close. You didn't learn your lesson last you year. You were close. Here we are a year later and history's repeating itself. Care to comment? I didn't think you'd get chopped, first of all. Okay. I didn't I, say you did. No. I just think it's very funny that there's already discourse out there about me getting chopped. And I had five near death experiences last year. I actually people thought don't it, was, it was impossible you got chopped unless, like, your guy got injured. On yeah, the they would have had to, like, get hurt in the first play of the game, like but, Aaron Rodgers. But if you were still there, and I was like, oh, he just got to point it out. He, <laughs> he's back to being nine lives. <laughs> and then I thought funny. Joe Mandel was going to get chopped. And then he didn't. The waiver wire is tomorrow, right? No, it just ended, I think, at 2. Oh, I always thought it was on Thursday, but it's Wednesday. And then there's another one tomorrow. Yeah, I think I, I, I was going to go for Jalen Hurts, and then I didn't. I didn't want to spend all that money. Like, It'd really be a early. lot of money. It's going to be a lot of money. The first big quarterback to be chopped, one of the big four. Over um, 300, easy. 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 And I don't know. If I, I kind of like hanging at the bottom because in year one, I was always at the top, first or second in scoring every week. 
and you're feeling good about yourself. And that seems to be when it all comes crashing down because you get complacent. You cannot get complacent in the guillotine league. And if you're fighting tooth the nail every single week, you don't get complacent. You start spending money. I think that is uh, a key, if you will. But enough fantasy football talk. We will get into some heavy, great football conversation in period number three. But we got to start with the division named after my favorite ocean. And it's not my favorite ocean forever. The reason it takes the stake as my favorite ocean is because it's the only ocean that has ever touched my skin. So I will say the Atlantic Ocean is my favorite ocean. We are going to talk about the Atlantic Division, period number one. Hello to Travis as we welcome you into period number one. He says, can't wait, fellas. I'm getting a taste of some early hockey on Sunday. Dallas Stars versus Phoenix Coyotes. What a preseason matchup. He's allowed to enjoy it. Frank, you're not. Um is I, Travis from Dallas or Phoenix? Or I don't know if traveling? he's from. He lives there, though. Oh, I know okay. for a fact. I'm. I don't know for Dallas a or Arizona. Uh, uh, Texas. I don't know what part of Texas, but he went to the Astros game. He came on Crosstown Crosstalk live in line against from White Sox uh, Astros in the first week of the MLB season. Mm-hmm. Travis is a Texas boy. I don't know if he's from there. Grew up there, born there. He's probably typing away the answer in the chat as we speak, I would assume. But very excited for the Dallas Stars this season. And, hey, I'm excited for the Coyotes. I think they have potential to be like a competitively bad team, and maybe they'll pull a Kraken. It's always very possible with these lower-tier teams that aren't like the Sharks, right? Like the teams that are the Flyers. You just know for a fact. Mm -hmm. The Coyotes aren't a factual bad team right now. They're what we think might be. Um But those two teams don't play in the Atlantic Division. We are going to grace you all with a bonafide preview of the Atlantic Division right now. Travis says he's from Illinois and has lived there for a few years. Awesome. You don't have to deal with the BS winters anymore. Good on you. Um, He's near Austin, which makes the whole Houston-Dallas thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Frank, we previewed the Pacific Division last week. You still mostly stand by everything you say? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, not enough time has passed for either of us to change what we think from one week over. I'm definitely feeling good about the way we previewed the Atlantic or Pacific Division last week. A lot of agreements. Um, You know, every division will disagree on who might be four and who might be five. That's splitting hairs. A lot of agreements that were pretty clear who the top three are. Um, I think we're going to disagree on the top three in this division, though. Because you're going to have a team in the top three that I might not think makes the playoffs. And I think the other way around for you as well. And that makes for great conversation, obviously. We don't go over top three, right? No, not yet. But I I think when we get to our playoff predictions, uh, that's how it's going to be. And you you always kind of hint at what your playoff predictions are going to be. But there's a lot that could change. There could be injuries that happen in the preseason. Um, You know, there's all sorts of stuff that could go down. Um, we will start Frank with the possibly the most talked about team on this program. I honestly think they're probably in all reality, the third most talked about team on this program. Um, the number one and two, you could probably argue it either way as the devils or the Blackhawks. I think when I'm driving the narrative, it's obviously the Devils. When you're driving the narrative, it's the Blackhawks. But we talk about each other's teams a lot on the show. Toronto's probably in third. So we're going to get them right off our chest to start because we're going to talk about them a lot this season. Frank, what do you like about Toronto? 
start off with talking about their top players. We'll start with let me get to, to Toronto. Hold on, VP. Do you want me to send you a picture of the order? Well, I see last week you went in alphabetical order, so this week I put all my teams in alphabetical order. And then this week you decided not to go in alphabetical order. Uh, I put one and, uh, specific team last for a reason, and I put Toronto first for a reason. It's all right. I got all it. Right. All right. So we got uh, – well, you said top guys. You got Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Nylander, right? The three-headed beast. And they're back for now, and I'm sure this team's going to excel in the regular season again. You'd be a fool to think otherwise, right? They got rid of Kyle Dubas. They brought in Brad Treleving, and uh, but they also had a lot of additions as well. They brought in Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Ryan Reeves, John Klingberg. So it should be a very interesting year for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I completely agree. Uh, goal or no goal, the Maple Leafs have at least two players break 100 points this season. They had zero last year. I'd have to say yes because I think they're the most improved team in the division. Okay, I'm saying two players with 100 offensive points. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I agree. I think Matthews and Marner both eclipse 100 this year. Matthews has before. Marner never has, but he's been in the high 90s three times. Um, this is the year where he gets over 100, in my opinion, because I just think they're probably going to change up the power play a little bit. Um, Sheldon Keefe announced today that William Nylander is coming into camp as a center which is very interesting to me. That makes me wonder if Tavares is finally shifting into being a wing in his mid-30s. That happens all the time with some of these offensive-minded centers. You know, every now and then you get a Crosby, you get a Taves. It feels mm -hmm. like they're never going to not be a center. Tavares moving to a – Stamkos has moved to a wing almost seamlessly. Okay, I think we named yeah. our top 20 centers, but he plays a lot of wing. Um, so, same thing's going to be happening for Tavares. I think Bertuzzi's the net front now on PP1. Tavares probably comes down to PP2 to level things out. I would run Riley, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, um, Bertuzzi. That would be my power play unit if I were Toronto. And then I would have Tavares and Matthew Nyes lead the second group. And, you know, I think that could be a really, really good power play. It could possibly even be second best in the NHL behind you know who mm -hmm. um there's there's a lot of talent there that's obviously one of my strengths for the team one of my issues with the team is something that they might have addressed by adding Bertuzzi and Domi but they they're, they're never like assholes to play against you know they're they're just good they're just really skilled really talented but you could kind of push them over when the ice gets smaller in the playoffs. Ice doesn't actually get smaller in the playoffs. I think there are people that believe the talking heads when they say that, like literally. The ice gets smaller because there's a lack of space and creativity in the playoffs because everyone's going at full force the entire game, where in the regular season it's a little more of a flow. But um, adding Bertuzzi and Domi, I think, increases that for them. So it might not be an issue anymore. We'll see. Okay, yeah. See, my strengths for the team are the guys I mentioned that uh, Treleving added, right? All four of those players are upgrades, in my opinion. They got a little bit of everything in the trade as well. They got youth, they got a little grit, and they got a little experience. And, you know, with all those players being an upgrade, some may say they're even putting a better team out there on the ice this year than last year, so we'll see. Their weakness is they're facing severe salary cap restrictions, right? And there's still a big question mark surrounding William Nylander as well. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs need to find a way to sign Nylander before the start of the season. Otherwise, he might be gone. And if you remember, 
when Treveling was the GM of the Flames, he saw Johnny Goudreau walk away for nothing, right? And I don't think he wants to go through that again. And him not being signed to an extended contract, you know, might hinder some of the play on the ice. It might be in a lot of the players' minds, so you don't want that to happen. So I think that's their biggest weakness right now. They need to find a way to sign Nylander or let him go and get something in return. This is also Toronto, where people are going to ask Nylander about it every single day. Yep. It's going to get real annoying real quick. Exactly. And Kyle Dubas isn't there to, like, dance around the microphone anymore. Like, we'll see how Treleving answers all these questions and deals with the Toronto media, which, listen, you're a Blackhawks fan. They have a pretty good media sense, but it's not Toronto. Same thing with the Devils. The Devils have, like, six people in the locker room interviewing people after every game. The Blackhawks probably have, like, seven or eight, right? The Leafs probably have tw- anywhere from 25 to 30 people in the locker room every single game for all different. I mean, they're the Yankees of the NHL minus championships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be a big deal this season. They got Bertuzzi and Domi. Domi's dad played for the Leafs, Ty Domi. So obviously that's, you know, a nice little thing for him. I'm sure he's going to be motivated. Great year last year. The Hawks did wonders for him with Luke Richardson, helping him get back into form and whatnot. Um, I think the Leafs are going to be sick. Got to get Nylander done, though. I agree. Um, I don't think they trade him because they'll probably be first or second in the Atlantic by the trade deadline, you would think. And if they traded him for prospects, that wouldn't make sense because people trade first-round picks for rentals anyway. Nylander could just be your rental in that sense. So I don't. he's not going anywhere this season, I don't think. But... It also, I mean, maybe they trade his rights after the season for like a seventh round picker and get something. You know, the Flames got nothing for Goudreau um, other than, you know, them eventually trading Kachuk for Ubudo. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen Treleving make some big moves in his career. So we'll see how that goes in Toronto. Um, Frank, you got anything else on the Leafs? For the regular season, I know you'll have plenty to say about them once the playoffs (laughs) come around, but the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're going to be a very good team. I agree. Um, Frank, let's move on to another Canadian team that is in the um, Atlantic Division. We are going to, of course, talk about Les Habitants de Montréal, the Blue Blanc et Rouge, the red, white, and blue of the Montreal Canadiens, the Habs. Talk to me about the Montreal Canadiens. You know, when you think of the Montreal Canadiens, one guy sticks out. That's Nick Suzuki, right? And then you Suzuki. You got, got Cole Caulfield, who had a great year last year. Unreal 26 player. goals. 26 goals. He's only going to get better, right? But then – but Caulfield was actually third in scoring, and then Kirby Dock had 38 points. But um, last year was just an absolute disaster for this team, who finished – last in the Atlantic division. They were 14 games under 500. The scoring wasn't there. Doc being second in scoring on your team with 38 points mean that he didn't even average a point every two games. You can't expect to win with that type of production. That's horrendous, right? I think the biggest strengths when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens is that you have Suzuki and Caulfield starting to build the core here in Montreal. Even if that means being bad for two to three more years, they are doing things the right way, as people would say, and they're they're loading up on draft picks, including a top five draft pick they had this past June. I mean, the future is slowly, slowly coming together, but it's starting to look bright. I think their biggest weaknesses for the Montreal Canadiens is that for a team that made 
or for a team that came last in the division last year, they made very, very little moves, right? They got Alex Newhook. They got Casey DeSmith this offseason, but they lost Mike Hoffman. They lost Jonathan Druin, you know, a boatload of other players too. It's obvious that the Canadians are still in rebuild mode, but with no big moves coming from them this year, it's clear that they're just trying to focus on their rebuild. I expect another horrendous year for them. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I kind of think they're going to be in the uh, Celebrini sweepstakes a little bit. But I don't think the Celebrini sweepstakes are going to be quite the same as the Bedard sweepstakes. I don't think there's going to be six teams that bad again. I on, I think the Sharks and the Flyers are bad. And then everybody else will be good, even though they're bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it was the same thing with McDavid when McDavid came into the league, Buffalo, Edmonton, the devils, um, the Leafs, the coyotes, all of those teams were as they would all be the worst team in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And I think every, the bottom seven teams last year would be the seven worst teams this year too. Uh, they're all improved. I think every team is like, okay, Bedard's gone. He's not available to us anymore. Celebrini's great. We're going to try and get him. But we're not going to be puke on the ice bad like the Hawks, Blue Jackets, and Ducks, and Coyotes, and Sharks all were at the end of last year, and including the Habs. Um, I think Martin St. Louis is the perfect coach for a guy like Cole Caulfield because Cole Caulfield is like a diet Martin St. Louis. He's an undersized goal scorer. Do I think – Cole Caulfield is going to win a scoring title one day? No. But could I see him scoring 35, 40 goals in a season? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He might even be able to have one year, one or two years where he talks 50. I think that highly of his shot. Um, but as far as Montreal goes, I, I don't think they're that great. They obviously came in last place last year. Um, a lot of their season will come down to Uri Slavkovsky, the first yeah. overall pick in last year's draft. And I, I have a tweet in my drafts. That's how I keep my Twitter going when I'm like taking a poop or sitting there watching TV. I like I write tweets in my draft and I save them just so the Twitter account's always active, always has engagement, whether I'm paying attention or not. You know, I could quickly just fire off a tweet that's already written. I don't have to think twice about it. Um, I think that's one of the keys, but. Anyway, in there, I have a tweet ready to go of, would Montreal Canadiens fans be happy if Uri Slavkovsky turned in to Timo Meyer? If he became a Timo Meyer replica, would you be okay with that? Frank, if you were a Habs fan after the disaster of a rookie season that you saw from Slavkovsky last year, would you sign up right now Absolutely. for him to become Timo Meyer? Absolutely. 100%. You'd be a fool to say anything otherwise. Okay. And well, the reason I think it's like a question that'll get some engagement is because Timo Meyer as a number one pick, he went eighth overall in his draft or seventh overall to the Sharks, and he became a very good player. He was in McDavid's draft. Okay. Like he's, he's a great player. He's not like a super duper star though. I would mm-hmm. consider Timo Meyer a star player. Mm-hmm. He got a contract eight by eight that he earned. That's exactly. a star player, Absolutely. but he's not a superstar. Nobody's naming him in the top 50. No, he's not a top 50 player. He's a top 100 player. He's a star player. If Slavkovsky became that, I'm sorry that he was the number one pick. If the draft were redone, he'd probably go fifth or sixth. But if he became Timo Meyer, I think Habs fans, that would be, be great, especially for real. the rebuild. Yeah, they would love to have a guy like Timo Meyer on their team right 100%. now. Hundred percent, exactly. So I think it'd be great. But I think they were expecting like a Getzlaff, 
or you know not Taves because Taves is different. I think they. I, I thought of like who's like a big time heavy Svechnikov, a guy like that is who I think they were expecting from the number one pick. If you get Timo Meyer though, you know big body net front on the power play, great shot, scores tons of goals. A ton of hits. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Timo Meyer second in the NHL in hits since coming to the league. Only Ovechkin has more for mm-hmm. forwards. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would be a win for Montreal. So I don't think they're going to be that great, but I think they'll be they'll be fun to watch. And if Lane Hudson plays for them, their number one prospect, I have mm-hmm. him as the number two or three defensive. I would have to look at the list. He's right behind Luke Hughes for like the best defensive prospect in the NHL. There would be people out there that put him ahead of Hughes. That's how highly they think of Lane Hudson. But, you know, it's not necessarily going to be pretty for Montreal. But um, we'll see how these guys end up going. And Suzuki's a beast. He is a beast. Caulfield's a beast. We saw Suzuki get drafted. Yeah. We saw Vegas take him. Was it the sixth overall pick? No, they took Cody Glass with that pick. They took Suzuki with, like, pick 10 or 11. They had three first-round picks that year, and they they took Suzuki. So, obviously, fun stuff. Um, And then, obviously, Vegas trades, Suzuki to Montreal, and the Max Pacioretty deal. But, Frank, we will move on to the other Canadian team that is in the Atlantic Division. I'm talking the Ottawa Senators. Uh, We like the Senators on this podcast. Yeah, not bad. I have nothing against them. Yep. Um, You want me to start? Yes. I got to find them. VP's going nation by nation. <laughs> I am, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. going nation by nation, and then the northern United States to the southern United States, and then I think you know who I'm ending with. All right. Well, the Ottawa Senators, Senators we've talked a lot about Tim Stutzla on this podcast. He was on one of our top uh, lists, top center lists. Then he got Brady Gachuk, Claude Giroux, newly acquired Vladimir Tarasenko. This is a team that is uh, almost, I would put them in the same boat as the Red Wings and the Sabres. I mean, I think a lot of people lump those three teams together because they're all young. They're all on the rise a little bit, right? They got rid of Dabrinkit, but they also added Kubalik and Tarasenko to try and replace Dabrinkit's production. Ultimately, it should be interesting to see what type of year they have. I don't know necessarily if they will replace that production, but we'll see what the Ottawa, we'll see what the Ottawa Senators have in store for us this year. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm kind of distracted a little bit. There's something crazy going on in Chicago Bears land right now. Defensive coordinator um, has been um, missing for a week. He was away from the team this weekend, and Eberflus was calling the the plays on defense. Mm -hmm. And with Allen Williams gone, they – they thought it was like a personal matter. So people are assuming like a death in the family or he's sick or something like that. They raided his house and have raided Hallis hall to see, to investigate something. So like, it's bad news in Chicago bears land right now. They're Owen two, They stink, but you know, back to Ottawa. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I I know the barroom network is going to be all over this story because it's the biggest story in Chicago media right now. Yeah, seriously. Not even just like all of media, not even just sports. Um, But yeah, the Ottawa senators, I think they're great. Um, But I don't think they're like, I think great's a strong word. I think they're good. Um, They're They're really good. They're really good. They're not great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 
they're like they're I'd middle- say it goes good, really good. You're great. Yeah, they're uh, really good. Uh, yeah. Where you say they're good, I, I have to see more. We'll see. I think they have a really good core being built. Yeah, I will say I think they have a great core being built. I love Sanderson. Okay, um, I love Brady Kachuk. I Tim Stutzla doesn't get the praise that Brady Kachuk does, but he's actually the best player on the team. Stutzla is. Mm-hmm. Um, I Josh Norris, unreal defenseman. Or, or you know, like I just think all these players we talk about them all the time. Shabbat, he's unreal. Okay, they got all these guys signed long term. And I, they're just the things they do with their young kids is very interesting to me. Giving a kid that just played his rookie season an eight by eight is very crazy. I don't think I've yeah. seen necessarily something quite like that. But neither of us hated it. No, we both recognize there's some risk, but neither of us came on this show. You were shittier about 40 goal scorer Tage Thompson having a good contract, and you saw way more of proof from him. But we, that just speaks volumes about Sanderson and what we think of him as a young defenseman. He's a really good player. Um, do you have strengths and weaknesses for Ottawa? Yeah, so I'll start with my strengths. Their strength is their defense, and their goaltending is going to be a lot better off, right? I love that Jonas Corposalo is going to come in and be the main guy here in Ottawa. He's been a backup nearly his whole career, and him getting the opportunity as a starter could often lead to big things for guys who, you know, get that opportunity. It could also backfire on them as well, right? Because he hasn't been the greatest of backups, but he's been able to get the job done. Hopefully him as a starter, you know, maybe really kickstarts something later in his career. But they also have Shabbat and a full year of Chikrin in the mix, uh, being their top of their on the top of their defensive pair. Jake Sanderson, Drake Batherson will most likely find themselves on the second line pairing. And their defense, of course, really, really coming along nicely. And I think that's why we saw um, Sanderson get the contract that he did because the Ottawa organization knows how crucial he's going to be in this defense, building up this defensive core. So there are some great, great strengths going on for Ottawa. However, their weaknesses, you know, they're just, you know, a middle of the pack team that we said maybe good, maybe really good. Um, however, I just I think they take a step back this year uh, offensively. You know. This isn't going to be a good sign with just missing the playoffs last year by only six points. Hopefully, Tarasenko could provide a decent amount of offense, more than what we saw in New York, and help accept, excel this team you know, to new heights. But I think that's going to be very hard to accomplish and very hard to replicate. I, I, just, I think their offense is their weakness this year. I think they really took a step back and you know, missing the playoffs by six points last year, and you, know, you, you get rid of a a good chunk of your offense and, you know, you take a step back on offense. It's like, how do you improve? I mean, it's great what you've done defensively, but you really need to improve offensively. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I do think Stutzla probably cracks a hundred. We'll see. I like Tarasenko and Giroux as the veterans in the forward group. And we'll see what happens with Brady Kachuk this year. This is kind of the part of the career where like Matthew started to take like that step from being a really good power forward to like a superstar power forward. We'll see if Brady Kachuk is able to go from being an 80 point guy to being a a 90 point guy or a 100 point guy. Those guys are obviously just a tad bit more dynamic. And I think Ottawa will be better off for it. Um, Kubalik being added to the group as well, obviously. Um, something that's interesting. Um, we'll see what happens, but you know, I'm excited to watch Ottawa. They have some of the best jerseys in the league. Yeah. Um, all three too. The white, the red, and the black are all 
just so sick. Um, we'll see what happens with their goaltending, but that is the Ottawa Senators. Frank, another team that's kind of in the same mix, and all three of these teams are probably fighting for the same playoff spot, is the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings finished as one of the you know middle-of-the-pack teams last season. Um, they added Alex Dabrinkit. I think there's no doubt that that is going to be a boost to their um, overall team dynamic and the way they score. They have Dylan Larkin, Andrew Kopp. Um, obviously, Fabry's there on d- defense. They really like Ben Chirot. Added Jay, uh, Shane Goss' bear to a one-year deal. I don't love their defense outside of Moritz Sider, who's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And he's on a rookie contract, so we should see his extension come up real soon. I'm sure he'll get eight or nine million you know, similar to the Sanderson contract, maybe a tad bit more based on actually based on the Sanderson contract. I think Sider's better. He might get like 10. I mean, this kid's going to get freaking paid this yeah. off season, but what do you mm-hmm. like with some issues and uh, what do you dislike with some weaknesses when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings? Well, you know, the Red Wings have a very young and great core that they're building. They're doing everything right to become competitive again. Right. And I think that the biggest strength is their young talent and Cider and Raymond. See, Maurice Cider won the call there two years ago and Raymond came at fourth in voting. How often do you have two Calder candidates in top five voting in the same year? I mean, they're clearly developing a ton of talent, right? The the addition of Debrinket should help them a lot as well. When you look at their roster, they don't have what you would view as that elite player yet. It, it might be coming. But, you know, if the Red Wings were to make a run, having to bring it on the team is de- definitely going to help develop these young players more, and I think that's great. You already got Dylan Larkin. Um, we didn't mention him. Jeff Petrie came in whole. You mentioned Ghost a little bit, and uh, they got Reimer as well in the mix. Um, so it should be interesting to see what happens with all those players and how they help develop the younger uh, talent on this team. The weaknesses is they made a lot of good moves, but they haven't made any moves that made me go, wow. Right, to bring it coming to the team didn't make me go wow. Right, it's great, and I think that uh, that'll make a difference eventually. But look what happened when Alex DeBrinket went to the Ottawa Senators. Right, nothing severe happened. I see the same thing kind of happening with Detroit this year. It might take a couple years, a year or two, but I, I don't really get that wow factor from any of the moves that they made. Right, they're also their biggest weakness is they're playing in a division with teams that are well, well ahead of them, right? When you take a look at a lot of the teams in the division, it appears that they should be struggling a little bit, right? A lot of the division matchups, they should be struggling a little bit. I mean, you're going to have to play the Sabres, the Bruins, even though the Bruins take a step back and whatnot, you still have to, these are tough teams you're going to have to play against. So it's not going to be easy, especially with the young talent that you have and, you know, who don't have that experience quite yet. Understood. I'm I'm kind of with you. You look at the Atlantic Division and every team outside of Montreal, they, they all believe they're good. And it's like, OK, well, four of these teams, maybe five, depending on how the Metro does, pro- probably four, though, are going to miss the playoffs. And it's like, OK, which of the four is it going to be? It's mm-hmm. it's not it's going to be four good teams. I'm sorry to say that I, I think the Atlantic Division is right there for the best division. And I know I said Pacific, and then I did think about it and go like, oh, actually, the Atlantic is better. Um, I mean, all these teams are good. Like, even Montreal, like, they'll have competitive games this season. I think Detroit, that that's their weakness, is they're not as good as some of the other teams ahead of them, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they have a good team. I like Iserman as a GM. Obviously, he gets a lot of credit for what's going on with 
another team on this list, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the success that they've had. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I would love to see Dylan Larkin, Mr. Portillo's himself, be a take a step above. And we talked about this when we ranked our top 20 centers. Dylan Larkin is Portillo's. He's a good, <laughs> he's a good shooter. He's a really good, he's a good passer. You know, he's a net front guy. He's kind of, he's a good leader. He's not the best leader. Okay. There's 10 other better captains, maybe more. He's not the best shooter. He probably is not even a top fifth, like a top 30 goal scorer, but he's a good goal scorer. He'll probably be top 50 in scoring, but he he won't be top 10. He's Portillo's. Portillo's has the second best hot dog. Okay. Nana's and Gene and Jude's, all these are better than Portillo's. You know, the burgers, Portillo's burgers are phenomenal. I think they're great, but they're not five guys. They're not in and out. They're not, you know, they're, they have the second, same thing with the beef sandwich. Al's probably a better beef sandwich. You know, there are some other good beef sandwich spots around that probably beat out Portillo's, but Portillo's, their fries might be better than the best beef sandwiches fries, but they're not as good as this other place that specializes in fries. Like they're yeah. just a jack of all trades, the master of none. They don't have that elite player. No. They, they don't, don't have the McKinnon, McDavid, a no. They don't have that player. And who, who wins? There are, there are players that could develop potentially into that, but they don't have that player right now. Absolutely. The, like, like Dylan Larkin would be the third line center on Vegas. Exactly. They Chandler didn't... Stevenson is a really good second line center, and Jack Eichel's a superstar. Dylan Larkin and Wild Bill have a lot in common. Wild Bill's probably a tad bit better defensively. Larkin's probably a tad bit better offensively, but they're about the same equal of player. And he's their captain and best player. William Carlson's probably like the fifth best player on Vegas. And That's the difference between being a good team and a Stanley Cup. I mean, team. even Ottawa. Ottawa's got team, Tim Stutzla. Tim that's that. Stutzla. That's their elite player. They're like, once again, the Red Wings don't have a Tim Stutzla. Yeah, they got a Dylan Larkin, right? I think that's what's really going to hold them back. They need to develop into those elite players. Now, on defense, I think they have one. Who are you thinking? I think Moritz Sider's elite. Oh yeah, but but like you need that 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 guy. He'll just score. He's gonna score a lot. Right. Like a lot, a lot. Not like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Like Dylan Larkin's great. What made the Devils a contender? When in your brain did they flip that switch of being a shit team to being like the third best team in the league in terms? When of they life? started getting talent that could score. They Two got, players specifically they got come Timo to Meyer. Yes, but that was a supplementary you, piece. Oh, you're saying before that? Um, there are two pieces on the Devils. That's like when they got these guys, that's when the future became really bright. Jack Hughes. Yes. And Nico Heischer. Yes. Without those two guys, there are two. Those guys can score, and Nico have Nico sacrifices a little offense for some some selkie trophy votes. Like Jack Hughes could have 110 points. Heischer could have 90. And win the Selkie Trophy, like the Bruins had Bergeron and Pasternak and Marshawn. I I just I don't see it. With I like Moritz Sider. I think he's an elite defenseman. Yeah. But the Blackhawks they could have had Duncan Keith, but without Kane and Taves, you That's know they, they needed those three. And I think the the top defenseman is very much in need too. And good wingers and good supporting cast is good. Detroit has all that. They they need they probably need realistically. 
one or two dynamic centers to become. I think I'd even maybe consider Suzuki over um, Larkin. Yeah. I think about it. I'd make an I, argument. I it's think a good. I would. I yeah. I so, actually yeah. I would. So when you think about it, they have the worst top player in the division. Worst top forward. No, that's what I meant. They're the worst top forward. Yeah, the Bruins have the worst center depth. Yeah, but they have Pasternak, I, who drives offense like a which center. is which is he's a forward. I'm saying yeah, out of forwards, they have the worst. Yes. Top forward. I agree. That's bad. I agree. Bad news. It is bad news, um, but you know, I no team, in my opinion, in the last five to ten years had worse lottery luck for how bad they were. True. Um, Colorado's up there, but they got Kale McCarr. They got lucky, and they had the Nate Dog as the number one pick from a lottery win about ten years prior. So that's how they built the Stanley Cup champion, and they they drafted well with Rantanen and Landeskog and all yep. those guys. Um, but Detroit, they got lucky with cider. I made fun of that pick on the night of the draft. I remember being like, really, this is Steve Eisenman's first draft pick as a GM of the Red Wings, Moritz cider, the kid that I had like 28th on my board. And if that draft were redone, he probably goes third or fourth. Yep. He's great. Yeah. There's no doubt. He's unreal. All right, Frank, we'll move on to the most exciting team in the division, in my opinion. It is the Buffalo Sabres. Um, what's your all-time favorite wing you've ever had? Like chicken wing? Yeah. Can you think of one? You're not the biggest wing guy. I See, I don't go out and get wings often. Like, if I go to timeout, I'll get some wings. If I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, i get some wings. Yeah, but places where that, wings are like. Right, I don't go out and, like. I'd be a bot to say, like, if Buffalo Wild Wings are my favorite wings, because I, I don't eat a lot of wings. If that's but, your favorite wing, though, that's your favorite wing. I, I think it might be. I, you know, I haven't gone out and tried a lot of different wings. Now, if we went to Buffalo, because I know you like the Bills, and I've been, you know, circulating in my head, because our cousin Kayla also likes the Bills, I think it's a great idea for a cousin's trip because they all like wings. We've all gone to timeout together. I have destroyed pops. I have destroyed wings with that side of the family. Probably more. I, I, I can't count the amount of times I've eaten wings with these people. I think it'd be great if one year we joined Bill's Mafia for one weekend. I would love it. We all either drove or a table. flew. Yeah, and someone's going through a table. I think I would do it. Um, we need to go to like the five or six best wing places and a Buffalo Bills game in a weekend. And I think we can make that happen relatively soon. That's been, that's been circling in the wheels for a while now because of your love for the Bills. Another cousin that we have who loves the Bills, um, just general love for sports and football and eating amongst our group. I think the Buffalo would be a great spot here. Here's the problem though. I'm not a fan of Buffalo sauce that much. I like yeah, but these wing places have all sorts of flavors. But I feel like barbecue. if you go to Buffalo, you got to get some Buffalo wings. See, yeah. I, I, I thought that too, but all these places are like known. Yes, that's Buffalo. It's home of the Buffalo wing. I'm sure you would try one. Yeah, I would. Like, I, love, I love Buffalo chicken dip, but okay. it's like on a wing, I don't want Buffalo sauce. Understood. There are some places that probably exclusively have Buffalo sauce, but like you just you go for the experience. It's Buffalo. And there are going to be places Absolutely. that have 
outstanding barbecue wings. I think that's going to be a thing too. So we need to get out to Buffalo and Do see it. a Bills game. Absolutely. Um, we'll plan that sometime. But the Frank, the Buffalo Sabers. I I think Buffalo deserves a good hockey team. They have a good football team now. It took a hundred years to get that done. Um, and a lot of luck in the draft with Josh Allen being the fourth quarterback drafted, and he's the best of them all by far. Um, I want the Sabres to join them. Give me your thoughts on the Sabres, top players, strengths, weaknesses. Lay it all out there. When I think of the Buffalo Sabres now, I think of Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power. You know, those are four players that I really highlight. You know, Tage Thompson continues to be a beast. I was very wrong about Tage Thompson. And I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for the Buffalo Sabres, right? Their biggest strength, they have a tremendous, a tremendous offense on paper. The Sabres didn't make a lot of moves this year, but they didn't have to. This is one of the few teams they didn't have to make a lot of moves. The Sabres just missed the uh, postseason by one point. Finished nine games above 500. They didn't need to address any major issues on offense. And because of that, they're running it back with the same most, probably it's one of the most underrated, potent offenses in the league, in my opinion. But the biggest weakness, something they have to address, because what I'm about to tell you is going to be, it's going to blow the minds of a lot of people, I think. Their defense was terrible. If their defense was just a tad better, they could have secured an extra win or two and saw postseason birth that fans have been dying for, right? The Sabres, this this just shocked me when I heard this. The Sabres gave up 300 goals last year. Only seven teams, including them, in the NHL gave up 300 or more goals, and every other team besides the Buffalo Sabres had 81 points or less, meaning they stunk. Yeah, and the Buffalo's, that's like that's like the good a good threshold of stinking. Yeah, and they gave up three hundred goals and were in the mix with those terrible teams and had ninety one points, one point out of the playoff. That just shows you how potent their offense is. I think they got a top five offense in the league. To be honest with you, I would argue that. Um, and to help that, they did. They tried to help their defense out a little bit. They brought in Eric Johnson, Connor Clifton. I mean, are these guys going to be? Elite elite? No, but they had to do something to address their defense. They didn't have to address the offense. Their D has to be better this year if they want to succeed, which I think they will. I do too. I'm looking at their offense. I mean, Skinner's unreal. Tage Thompson's on a steal of a contract now. I love Dylan Cousins. You know, I was anti-Dylan Cousins in the draft. Our good friend Tommy. Tommy M, we love you. Tom Mangarelli. He's a big Dylan Cousins fan. He, I was so wrong. I didn't think he could play center. I, it was my biggest thing. I watched his junior games and his highlights and all that. I wasn't sure he could be a center in the NHL, and I thought that might be, like, you know, an issue. He plays some left wing with Buffalo, obviously. But, you know, you go out there, you have him. Victor Olofsson is a really good player. Alex Tuck has been awesome for them. Uh, Middlestat is finally starting to look like a you know the first round pick that he was selected to be. He's only 24 years old. It, I hate when people like go like turn on guys so quickly when they're like 22 just because Middlestat wasn't as good as you know he sure or Elias Peterson, Kale McCarr, the other good players from the draft. That doesn't mean they stink long. Like you got to give these guys time sometimes. All right. Um, 
you know, if Zemgis Gergensen is a good middle six forward, they still have Oposo as their captain. They got Tyson Jost now. Um, their defense, it was terrible last year. I mean, it didn't help that their goaltenders are Uko Pekalukanen and Eric Comrie right now. Oh, I didn't even mention Jack Quinn, who's currently on injured reserve, but I'm certain he'll be ready to go for this season. He's a really good goal scorer, too. That's only going to get better as time goes on. Oh, I was really high on him in his draft year. Um, I I think Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power could be two of the 20 best defensemen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be another year better this year. Owen Power's 20. That means last year as a 19-year-old, there were definitely some mistakes that led to the puck being in the back of the net for the Buffalo Sabres. But when he was playing well, you saw like a superstar potential. And, you know, adding Riley Stillman, not a bad, you know, idea in in a trade. Um, They have Yoki Haru, who even though he's not like the player that I thought he might be when he was drafted, getting rid of Alex Nylander for Yoki Haru is still to this day a smart move for Buffalo. Um, He'll contribute i'm sure and then they have matthias samuelson on a long-term deal rasmus Dahlin makes six mil this year this is going to be the last year that he makes under 10 so if i'm buffalo i'm trying to get into the playoffs now the contract extension is coming my article for puck pros on rasmus Dahlin getting his contract extension done is finished i'm just waiting for it to be announced and and i'll plug in the right number when it comes out too it's done i know it's coming i know it'll be probably I predicted the Bruins news from today happening today, yesterday. Um, I think that'll happen probably by next, maybe even by Friday. We'll see, though. It might take a little longer than that. They have all year to get it done. But, um, yeah, Buffalo's unreal. They're going to score a crap ton of goals if they could get good goaltending. We'll see. I don't know if they make a trade. You know, do they go for someone better? I don't know. Do they like Uko Pekka Lukin in the long term? He's only 24. Eric Comrie's certainly not the answer. Um, he played one game with the Devils two years ago when they had seven goalies play. And yeah. brutal. Um, so we'll see what happens with Buffalo. I like their chances of being a really good team, though. So do I. All right. We'll move on to the most contentious team in the division, I think, right now. And it's not the Maple Leafs believe it or not. I'm talking contentious between me and you. It's, of course, the Florida Panthers. Uh, After coming off a year to the Stanley Cup final, um, and Matthew Kachuk came in third place for the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP, and they have other great players like Barkov and Verhage and Ekblad, and um, is it Mackenzie Mackenzie Wieger? Is he the one on the Panthers Mm now? Um, Just unreal good goaltending from Bob last season. We'll see if that can continue. Um... My issues with the team is Stanley Cup loser hangover. That hurts teams a lot. We've seen it hurt teams a lot. Um, The Stanley Cup finalist that didn't win the Cup sometimes does regress a little more than the team that won it, Um, You know, which makes sense. They didn't win it for a reason. Vegas was better. But I still think Florida's a really good team, and their strengths are that they're still hungry. They got so close. And they did it. And they were playing playoff hockey for a lot longer than everybody else that made the playoffs last year because they had to get in on the last day of the season. Now, they Walt Kachuk, Keith Kachuk, some of our older friends might have seen Keith Kachuk play for the Blues um, back in the day and amongst other teams, scored a shit ton of goals. Um, he called them out on the radio. He's like, yeah, my son Brady's Ottawa team's 10 times better than my son Matthew's Florida team. <laughs> and... He, he didn't mean it like they're better because they weren't better at any point, even 
in the bad parts of the regular season for the Panthers. They were always better than Ottawa. They were always higher in the standings. But there was like a sense of softness to Florida. And the Senators, they play a gritty, mean, FU type of game. Everyone's a deal on that team. Um, that's what Walt meant. And from that point on, the Panthers went on a run. Yep. And they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They ended the regular season a team on fire. And if they play with that type of passion this season, I don't think there's any way that they might not make it to the Stanley Cup final. Winning three rounds is hard, but I don't, I, I can't with that fire, knowing what I know about how they finished and what I know about their roster, I can't see them having that much of a drop off because even if they have 91 points again or however many they had, that might not be good enough for the playoffs. You know, that things change all the time, what the eighth seed has. We've seen years where the eighth seed has 98 points. I think two years ago, when we the remember when it was over in January and the top eight teams were like yeah. it? Yeah. You know, that could happen next year. We'll see. But, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the Florida Panthers right off the gate. This team went on a magical run last year, right? So I made the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of people doubted them, including myself, because of their harsh postseason schedule. They had to beat the Bruins, then they beat the Maple Leafs, and then who'd they beat in the conference finals? The Hurricanes, right? Yep. The Hurricanes. I mean, they had a harsh postseason schedule, but, you know, they proved everybody wrong, and they'll try to repeat that again this year. And their biggest strength is they got Matthew Kachuk, right? He makes everyone on this team better. I think if Matthew Kachuk goes down, this team goes down in flames. Um, He's a player that gets in other players' heads. And not you can't say that about every top guy – on every team, right? McDavid doesn't really get in other players' heads like Kachuk does, right? McKinnon doesn't get in other players' um, heads like uh, Kachuk does, or like Jack Hughes. He doesn't get in other guys' heads like Kachuk does, like Kachuk does, right? That's what makes Matthew Kachuk very, very unique, and I think that's a big strength, and they could use that to their advantage. But it's got to stay healthy because if he goes down, this team's going down. Um, their weakness, they need Bobrovsky to step it up during the regular season. Bob did not look like himself most of the year last year until they got to the postseason, right? They also want to start, or they also will start the season a little injured on the dis- defensive side of things. They'll meet, they'll be missing Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad to start the season. They're going to need their support players to step up a little bit and not be defensive li- liabilities this year. They're going to have to help out Bobrovsky and company in the net because it's not going to be easy for goaltending at the start of the season, right? They're, they're probably going to have a lot of shots come to the net. They're going to get outshot most of the games. Is That's what I'm predicting. And uh, their goalies are going to have to play to a very high level with uh, two key defenders out. And, you know, Spencer Knight should make it back into the fold this year. I love Spencer Knight. I, I you know, I got a lot of faith in him. Maybe he, you give him the chance to be the starter this year. But Rob, you know, goes back to what we saw last year during the regular season. Try to mix things up a little bit, but. I don't know where I, I the Florida Panthers are. I don't know where I got them yet. I don't got them great, but we'll we'll see. I don't know. I need to make a self correction. I said Mackenzie Weger. I meant Brandon Montour. I get those two confused all the time because Weger went back to Calgary. That's right. In that's the right, Huberdo Kachuk yeah. trade, and Weger kind of stepped up in. Yeah or um, Montour stepped up in Uyghur's spot mm-hmm. and basically took all his minutes and took all his points too and played very well, if not better. Um, so that's why I get them confused because he literally just completely replaced them and did just as good of a job. Um, but yeah, Florida, I, I don't know where I'm going to put them either, to be frank with you. I do. Th- 
I kind of have an idea. I can't look at the roster and think I might leave them out of the playoffs. I, I as of right now, I don't think they got worse, and they were in the Stanley Cup final. If anything, I think they probably got better because I think Kachuk can take it to another level. I really, really do. Barkov, if he's healthy, he could win the Selkie Trophy now that Bergeron's gone. It's going to be between him, Nico, and Elias Pettersson, I think, for the most part next season without Bergeron changing things up. Anton Lundell is a 20-goal scorer. He makes 900000 They have Nick Cousins. Um, Evan Rodriguez went to the team four years, three mil. That's a great addition for the Florida Panthers. He was awesome with the Penguins. And now he's in Florida. Okay, they have uh, Sam Bennett, too, who none of us have even talked about, and Sam Reinhart. Yeah. Those two are awesome. I look at their defense. I see Kulikov. I feel like Kulikov has been in the NHL for a 1,000 years, and he's only 32 years old. Um, like, he played for Team Europe, remember, in the World Cup of Hockey? Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Carlson. Okay, that's a good young player. Nice little 26-year-old lefty. They added Mike Riley. I don't know if I love OEL on their team, to be honest with you. Oliver ekman Larson has been kind of a liability lately. Hopefully this is a year where he kind of, you know, has a good year, like a step back year. He was never Eric Carlson, so he's not going to have an Eric Carlson type bounce back. Mm-hmm. But can he resemble the old Oliver ekman Larson at any time now that he's out of Vancouver? I think it's possible. But when I look at the Atlantic division and I think of all the teams, there are two that I – for sure see better than them and then there's one that i'm like they might still not be better than them but they are and then i think with the big three that are like fighting for that one spot i still think florida's probably ahead of them so i don't know man i don't know it it, the atlantic division is tough sledding when it comes to predicting yeah you know i i kind of have an idea of where i have them at You'll hear it eventually. Um, uh, two shows away. I think we'll preview either the Metro or the Central in the last week. And then in the next period, we'll give our predictions, on mm-hmm. our playoff predictions. Right. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear because yeah, it should be good. we both agree they're not going to be bad. I don't know. I don't think that. Well, they're not going to be bad. I wouldn't say like bad. Well. What do you mean? I, I wouldn't say like sixty-five point bad. That's bad. I I don't know. You'll you'll see. You I got something else to say on later on in the show. Understood. So, um, we'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be part of your hot take. It's gonna be sizzling. We'll see. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's part of sleeper or worst or best. I doubt best. Um, the next team. The team that has won two out of the last four Stanley Cups. A team that has been to the Stanley Cup final four times since the year 2015. Making it four out of ten years. Not bad. You won two of them. Great. Um, They're in the news today. We'll touch on that here in a couple seconds. Um, The Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, They probably currently have the most successful core in the NHL active. Um, Now that Taves, Kane, Keith are gone. Uh, Maybe the Penguins core. I would still say the big three in Penguins, career-wise, um, probably have that mantle. But um, they're right there. 
and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'll, I'll name off. I'll rip off the best players for this team. Of course, you got Captain Steven Stamkos. You have Nikita Kucherov, who's probably the best player on the team. He is one of those rare wingers that you can rely on like a centerman for making people around them better. Mm-hmm. And then you have Victor Hedman. He probably the best defenseman in the NHL. No, he's the second best defenseman in the NHL. We know who the best one is. Um, and you have Daddy Vasilevsky, who's right there for the best goalie in the NHL. Um, it should be interesting to see how this team plays this season. Obviously, their core with their experience and their expectations are the strength, in my opinion. And the weakness is their depth is slowly but surely starting to get dwindled. Mm-hmm. Um, they added Braden Point over the years, and he's part of their core five now. He doesn't get named in the core four because he doesn't have a Hall of Fame resume locked up like the rest of those four do, but he could get there. Um, you know, he's just a very good player, but Tyler Johnson's not there anymore. Andre Palat isn't there anymore. Yanni Gord isn't there anymore. Um, it, you know, there's uh, McDonough is not there anymore. There's just there all sorts of things that have hit this team that I'm not sure – if that's going to be like a true weakness for them, but it's the weakness I got for them right now. Another strength I have is it's the longest off season they've had in like five years. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head with your strengths and weaknesses. The strengths are they're bringing back their core group of players, right? They got Kucherov, Hedman, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Point. This is still a very dangerous team, even if they, you know, might take us a little step back. You know, they still have, they have the most experience of any core team that is left in the NHL, maybe besides the Penguins. But, you know, I, I named five players from this Tampa Bay Lightning team, and that's just because, you know, they're, they're that good. They got, they got an elite player at every position. Um, they're the only team between today and last week where I mentioned, like, five type top guys, and that's just because of how good their core is. I mean, this this team is no joke, and no matter how many death players they lose, it just it always seems like they find a way to replace them. But that's their weakness: is they did lose a lot of depth, and their depth's dwindling. Right? They lost Kalorn. That's sixty four points right there, and twenty seven goals. They lost Ross Colton. That's thirty two points and an extra sixteen goals between two players. They lost ninety six points, and that's just between two depth players. How many teams could say they lost ninety six points between two depth players? It's not even two of their top five players, not even close. Um, you know, and they were replaced by talent that won't be as productive this year. But, you know, I, I anticipate the Lightning to find a way to get it done still. And the other thing is that you touched on is, you know, from all their winning they've done all the year and all, all their trading their picks away and all that, they've really depleted their farm system and their depth. And, you know, their, co- their core is not getting any younger. They're getting older. And, you know, we saw that they could still be a great team. They aren't president trophy material anymore, I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong, you know. This Lightning team, you know, could prove all of us wrong, but I can't underestimate them. But for now, they're just – they're a great team. That's what I got for you for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Understood. Understood. I'm I'm with you. I think – I think – that, yeah, they're going to continue to get depleted, and, yeah, they're not the president's trophy team necessarily anymore. Today it came out that – Steven Stamkos, he wants to be a lightning for life, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the team wants that too. Of course they do. He's one of the best players ever. He's got 515 goals, 540 assists. He's over 1,000 points. He's over 1,000 games. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He will get a statue maybe possibly. Uh, his number will certainly be retired at the Amelie Arena. He's one of the best players ever. 
okay, the GM said, yeah, we do want to keep him in Tampa Bay for life. But we also know that the betterment of the team is also going to come first at some point. Um, and that is important. And he's going to want a lot of money again. Do we give a 35-year-old $8 million? That's obviously very difficult. So I'm not sure what Stamkos' future with the Lightning is beyond this season. That day, you, you'll remember the day. The Devils got Ad, or Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Yeah, Shea Weber was traded for PK Subban, and Stamco signed his eight-year deal, um, all within a fifteen-minute span. Yep, and that was seven years ago. So that eight years right now, which is crazy to me that that much time has passed. But, um, you know, Tampa Bay is going to be a good team. They're going to be hard to play against when Vasilevsky's on his game. Yep. He can steal you any game. Um, but I do think once the core is done there's some some rebuilding that's going to need to be done in tampa bay because of the way they set themselves up yeah um that's the price to pay when you're good it sure is and frank they trade their first round pick every year yeah i mean the hawks got oliver moore out of it um the devils got dawson mercer i mean imagine if dawson mercer and oliver moore were in tampa bay's pipeline (laughs) right now like that but instead they have hagel and they had coleman which Coleman won two cups with them. He was a great third line player for them. Hagel was an even better third line player for them. And they were the runner up in the cup. Exactly. And lost a close series to Toronto. And they probably would at least given Florida a harder chance in the second round. If they would have won that series anyway, like, you know, all those things have to be remembered when, you know, talking about Tampa Bay and like, Oh yeah, it'd be so nice if they had Dawson Mercer and uh, fricking what's his name. Uh, Oliver Moore, like these guys. But when you're Tampa and you have two rings on your finger, you're like, who freaking cares? Exactly. Um, but yeah, do you have anything left on Tampa Bay? I, I still expect them to be a great team this year. So regardless of, uh, I, I do think they'll take a step back maybe a little bit potentially, but I still expect them to be competitive and have a pretty good year. Do you have any words for Luigi as he decides to freaking bark right next to me? He's our official mascot of the show. He's a clown. I think Joey Parisi's <laughs> home. And I think that's what he's barking at. Go get him. Go get him. Sick him. Sick him. Um, it'd be cool if Joey Parisi hopped on to talk about the Boston Bruins with us as we have reached that portion of our Atlantic Division preview. But he probably will not hear this and will not care to do so anyway. So, Frank. We will talk about them, the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins, right? You got Brad Marchand, which, you know, he's been consistent his whole career. I don't know if you knew this, but he's had 20 goals in every single year except his rookie year, which you can't blame him, and the 2013 shortened season, which you can't blame him. So, I mean, this guy's been a consistent goaltender for the Boston Bruins. You got David Poshnak scoring 60 like it's easy. He had 113 points last year. You got Jake DeBrus. You got Charlie McAvoy. I mean, this team is going into the year, though, without one of their biggest faces of the franchise, Patrice Bergeron, right? He's been one of the faces of the franchise for the past 20 years. Um, but, you know, I, it's you know it's time to move on, right? And, you know, they also lost David Krejci, Taylor Hall, Tyler Bertuzzi, Nick Foligno. They lost a lot of key players, but some of the new guys are bringing in. Milan Lucic is back. They're getting Morgan Geeky from the Kraken. Um, you know, their strength is... You're bringing back one of the best, if not the best, goalie tandem from last season. 
Bruins also still have a decent amount of experience on their team that are, with players that are hungry to win, right? Marsha and Pasternak, McAvoy, these players don't want to give up on the Bruins, and they still want to try to win in their window. They're going to try and push this team to the brink and give it everything they got. You know, that's a huge strength for them. They got a lot of heart on this team, still got a lot of talent, still going to give it everything they got. Their weaknesses. They're playing in a division where some of the other teams around them are only getting better and the Bruins are starting to decline. You know, some of the other teams that the Bruins used to beat up on all the time, such as the Senators, Sabres, Red Wings, they're getting better and they're going to be a lot more competitive this year and they're going to give the Bruins a lot more trouble, right? They've also had a lot of cap issues, which is why you saw the release of so many players. And because of that, their depth is also starting to become very thin. And this is going to be a big long-term problem for the uh, that the Bruins need to address. But... It's what I got for you on the Boston Bruins. Very interesting. Yeah, obviously losing Bergeron and Krejci, it's going to hurt them down the middle. Right now they're going to start the season with Zaka and Coyle as the one-two center punch down the middle. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as some people are like previewing it to be because I think Zaka can be a very formidable second-line center if he's on a line with Pasternak. Mm -hmm. um, they had good chemistry last year. And I'm not, I'm not sure about Coyle. I think he'd be better served as like a third line center. So I would like to see, and I wrote about this on Puck Pros, the Bruins go and possibly make a trade for a big time center that's available out there. Um, could Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets be an option? Could um, Logan Couture of the San Jose Sharks be somebody that the Boston Bruins consider bringing in and possibly extending to a long-term contract and seeing what kind of production they can get from these guys. Um, they're in a similar spot as Tampa Bay with one last cup to show for it. Um, they have been in the mix every single year for the last 10, it seems like. They had one or two down years where like they missed the playoffs by one point, and they ended up getting McAvoy out of one of them. Um, they still have Marshawn, who they just named to be the 21st captain in team history today. Obviously, congrats to Marshawn. We like Brad Marshawn on this show. Um, you know, they revealed New Jersey's. It's their centennial season. It should be um, very exciting to watch them play this year. I just I'm a little concerned about the center. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, uh, is there another team in the NHL, too, that has two top 10 goalies? Or in a lot of people's opinion, a tandem, yeah, like where both guys are top ten, top fifteen goalies in the NHL. I think we both left Swayman off our top ten, but yeah, he's, he's in a lot of he's in a lot of people's top ten. He was on Bleacher Reports. I saw him on ESPNs. He's mm. in a lot of people's top tens, and obviously all at all the goalies. Yeah. Uh, we did top five, right? So that's yeah, why we, we did. He wasn't that. in the top five. No, uh, did neither of us even name Allmark? Nope. Yeah, I, I would put the. I might put them both. They are both freaking awesome. And Allmark won the Vezina Trophy. Obviously, they were an elite team. Um, something to think about. But um, when when we talk about the Bruins regressing, yeah, I you know they could have 120 points and regress. I don't think that's much of a, you know, a hard thing to like comprehend. Mm -hmm. But when people talk about them potentially not missing the playoffs after having 136 points, that to me is I'm like, you really think the Bruins are going to have 50 less points than they did last year? You think they lose 25 less games? I don't know. That's hard to think about because two players are gone. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I They're another team. I don't know really where. I don't know where I have them yet. 
Very interesting. All right, Frank. Although it would have been nice for Mr. Joey Parisi to join the chat and talk about the Boston Bruins with us. Um, he had a link sent to his phone where he could join the stream and preview the Bruins with us. He'll give me a head nod, yes or no, on whether or not he wants to come on and talk about the bees for five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Go upstairs and do it from upstairs. Put it on your phone and hold it like it's FaceTime. <laughs> okay, we're going to have Mr. Joey Parisi come on and preview the Boston Bruins for us. Uh, it's been a long time since he's joined the program. It's been a long time a long since time. he's joined the program. Um, I think he purposely stopped right in time. He missed the greatest Bruins season ever, but he also he knew that eventually they might become like a rebuilding team possibly it's over the coming. next handful of years. It is coming, but it's not here yet. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about them though. Whenever he finally freaking joins, you can just put him on the screen whenever he yeah. pops in. But um, I, I'm not unexcited to watch the Bruins after seeing the jerseys being unveiled. Do you have a response to the jerseys, Frank, <laughs> before he joins? Uh, yeah, Joey showed me the jerseys the other day. Um, you want to talk about that now? You want me to? No, let's have Joey Parisi preview the the, the Boston Bruins. Okay, Joseph. <laughs> What's up, fellas? <laughs> what a background you got there! Isn't and that that's thick? A good background? Yeah. yeah no, don't I make, don't mind me. What are you making? I'm frying up some leftover chow mein. <laughs> it looks like pasta, like red sauce. No, it's yeah, you know. Talk into the microphone and talk about the Bruins. Okay, so how we've been doing this, I saved the Boston Bruins for last because um, I figured they'd be the team that generates the most conversation. We went through the Leafs, Habs, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, Florida, Tampa Bay, um, going through each team in the division. We've been talking about their best players, the issues on the team that they might have, and the strengths on the team that they might have. So first off, give us a prognostication of your thoughts on the best players on the Boston Bruins. Well, the best players and the part that sticks out the most um, as a group has got to be their defense. Defense by far is the part that has not changed at all, led by Charlie McAvoy. Um, and you still got the only the only piece that's kind of gone missing is Connor Clifton, which was kind of your seventh, six B, seventh defenseman last year. But he's going to go on and do great things. But I don't think that's going to really hurt this defensive core that much when you still have Matt Grizzlick, Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, who clearly was hurt in the playoffs last year, but we all know what kind of regular season that guy had. So I think their defense as a whole um, is the strongest part of this team. And that is definitely backed by the goaltending. I think the defense kind of helps the goaltending for this team. And again, that's something that is not changing last year coming off of the best, you know, team in literal world history, like NHL history. They were the best team to ever play and you had Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman essentially splitting that net, and it's going to be much of the same this year. So you got that defense, you got the goaltending, all that stays the same. The um, only part that is scary, and I know you guys have had to have mentioned this, is down the middle, losing Patrice Bergeron, losing David Krejci, with the only real addition is, um, you know, some depth guys. Milan Lucic comes back, but we'll see what kind of player he is. Um, so... Really, the only negative is down the middle, but you still got Brad Marchand on offense, who I think is going to be much better than he was last year. Last year, he was coming off of that hip injury. Uh, he had off-season surgery, and not, a lot of people forget about that. He did not start the year last year. 
he came back earlier than expected, and he was still great. And the Bruins went on to do great things. But obviously, you have David Pasternak. Not going to score 60 goals. You cannot predict the player is going to score 60 goals every single year. But he's definitely going to lead the way in terms of that offense. So it's just a matter of if Pavel Zaka, Charlie Quill can kind of fill that void. That remains to be seen. Is a, is a rookie, is Johnny Beecher going to come up and, and, you know, make a name for himself? Is there going to be some guy who comes up and plays center? I don't know. So I think the Bruins are going to be really good. I don't think they're going to win however many games they won last year, 65 wins or whatever. But I think they're going to be uh, definitely in the playoff race for sure. Do you think the Bruins are going to sweep the Devils for the third straight season? Sweep? No, but they're going to win the series for sure. No shot. <laughs> you're going to say you're not a little worried about the Devils in any way, shape, or form. For the Bruins? No, not really. Just because I don't think it really matters that much. You guys made me burn my chicken here. I keep talking about the bees. <laughs> yeah, it's our fault that you went on a ramble that went into you talking about John Beecher and Connor Clifton. That That's exactly the two guys whose names I wanted to hear when I asked you about the Bruins' top players. You told me about if they're going to be you, – you pretty much asked me for a synopsis on the Bruins. What else do you want? No, I loved it. Um, do you think they'll lose a game to the Hawks for the billionth year in a row? Um, that worries me because um, they're the first time that in my time watching hockey, at least that the Hawks and Bruins have their games early in the season. Frank, I know you know that. Like mm-hmm. Bruins Hawks is always in February, March, sometimes yeah. even April. This year is a little different. First home, first game for the Bruins, uh, October 11th. It'll be the second game for the Blackhawks, but it's the Bruins home opener. First of five era nights celebrating their centennial season. Um, and then a week later, I think they make their visit to Chicago. So they get those Hawks games out early. And, and that's kind of scares me because I don't know the way, the way that some of these guys kind of explode out of the gate and <laughs> speaking about Connor Bedard, it, it kind of worries me that he's going to like be good right away. Not necessarily meaning the Hawks are, ne- are going to be good. I'm not saying the Hawks are going to win their division or even make the playoffs, but it's possible. And I think if the Hawks have a, an enjoyable season, it'll be front half heavy. If that makes sense. What are your predictions on Bedard? I think he's going to be awesome. I honestly do. I think he's going to be, I think he's a sure shot Calder trophy winner. Um, And I think he's going to be in a hunt for his rookie year being an 80, 90 point season. I was going to ask how many points. 80, 90. I I thought Bucci was on glue with his prediction. He had like 65 points or something. No, yeah, he, and I'm I close. said this this guy's on glue because it's yeah. like that's way too low. I have him at point per game. I got him at eighty two. I'm saying eighty to ninety, yeah. so that's right on par. I'm starting to like think about a hundred. Listen, folks, did you see the goal in the prospect challenge? The, yeah, he, he had a hat trick. He had a hat trick, but the first one. Yeah, yeah, I saw him all. He shoots the puck unlike I've ever seen. It's like the puck starts. Here, I'm going to draw the the line. The puck starts here. If you're listening to the audio, sorry. The light's kind of screwing it all up. The puck starts with the little line, and then it ends up going in the other direction, two feet away from the line. I've never seen anything like Matthews kind of does. But, like, it's just different. That's going to translate to the NHL. I wouldn't shock me if he has 40 goals. It's possible. Yeah. uh, 40 goals, I mean – He's going to hit That'd some rookie crazy. slumps. He's not used to NHL travel and NHL life. I think that's going to come. It doesn't matter. I think it does. Being on an airplane doesn't make his shot worse. 
My problem is the 60 assists that he would need. Who's going to have gets that many goals? Taylor Hall. At least. Taylor Hall. He hasn't had more than 20 in like a decade. I'm excited to see and that. And Lucas Reichel, we learned yesterday, is not going to be on his line. Lucas Reichel's coming into camp as a centerman. Yeah, in a second line, though. I kind of figured that. Oh, right? I thought, no, I, I had him on the wing with Bedard. I don't remember what I, maybe I had him on the wing. I, I thought like we were really talking about the Bruins. I mean, we could talk about the Bruins. Are you what, nervous? What you have to say. Are you nervous about the Sabres, the Red Wings, or Ottawa giving the Bruins a little more trouble? Um, Ottawa has just been getting better and better. So obviously, especially um, when when if your captain is has the last name Kachuk, it just seems to <laughs> seems to come back to bite Joey in the butt. And I know he's not the captain of Florida, but uh, he definitely. I've been. I just stopped having nightmares about him <laughs> after the way last season ended. So I know Brady's going to be a thorn in the side in the in the near future. So yeah, them in Detroit scare me a little bit. And who would not who the Sabers? The Sabers. I don't know what it is about the Sabres. Um, they it's don't. A, it's, a, it's a reputation thing. They're, it the is a rep- of, they're the best of the three. And I was going to say, they're the best of the three. And I don't think close. it's a reputation thing because, I don't know, it's just when they play against the Bruins, I, I just don't feel it. You're like a Cardinals fan who thought the Cubs couldn't win the World Series until they did. Like they Eventually, also- the Sabres are going to be sick. I get that, but it's just for some reason, when they play the Bruins, I don't feel it. I don't they feel also- it. They- Got your guy Clifton, too, I think. Yeah, that's where Connor Clifton yeah. went. The Buffalo Sabres beat the Boston Bruins in a game that Joey attended. I was there. It was an overtime game that the Bruins had, um, <laughs> and then they blew it. They let up a goal like within the last two minutes or something like and that. And why are the Sabres capable of scoring such a clutch goal with a goalie pulled? They're good. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. They're good, but they don't. They're not as much of a thorn in my side when I'm watching the games. Like, I don't get mad at them. I don't really fear them on the schedule. And maybe I'll be proven wrong this year, but I was way more like you – know, and last year was different. The Bruins literally beat everybody um, in majority. Like, they, they lost the series. There was only two teams that they didn't beat the, and win their series, and it was Ottawa and Florida. Understood. Florida, they beat the Bruins in seven games. Carter Verhage in overtime. Joey Parisi still goes to bed sad about it. Um, Joe, Frank and I, well, then we'll let you go eat your burnt chicken. Um, we have a, we each are going to say a winner of the Atlantic division, a sleeper, who's the worst team, and then a hot take about the division. Okay. So the winner. The winner, like, or unless going- you want to, do you want to be part of the conversation, the whole thing? Because I was giving you an out to, like, say them quickly and go eat your chicken. So you want the winner, meaning, like, who is going to win the division? Who is going to win the division in the regular season? Who is the sleeper in the division? Like, a team that may make the playoffs, they may not, but they're a really good team that you're a little scared of, and then a hot take about the division. And right. the worst team. The yeah. sleep, I'll start with the sleeper. I'm not going to start with the winner, because I think we all know who that is. The sleeper is going to be Ottawa. I, I honestly think Ottawa is going to continue to grow. I think Brady is going to continue to develop, and and I just I like the way Ottawa is kind of building. They had a good group of some veterans and some young talent, so I'm going to go Ottawa as my sleeper. The team, and then what? A team that I don't think is going to be that good. The, the team worst that's team. the worst team in the division. The worst team in the division. Montreal is going to be the worst team in the division. I was drawing a blank there. Um, I'm like, I know there's some team that I just keep forgetting about. Because this rivalry isn't what it once was. <laughs> that rivalry is only at its best 
talking about Bruins Canadians when both teams are good, and I haven't seen it in a few years, and I think that's going to continue. So uh, I'm going to go Montreal is going to be the worst team in that division. And then on top, I'm going with the Boston Bruins. I think coming off of a historic season, yes, you lose Patrice Bergeron. Yes, you lose David Krejci. But I think those those points, I think the leadership group is not going to hurt that much. I think David Pasternak has really stepped into that role as a leader on this team, going to kind of fill that void of David Krejci. And then Brad Marchand has been in the shadows of Patrice Bergeron his whole career. He knows what it's like to be a leader. He's going to do well for that team. He's, he's going to be a great captain, Brad Marchand. So I don't think they're going to lose much leadership because I think it's going to be filled by kind of a next man up mentality. And I just think it's going to be uh, – I think they're going to be fine down the middle. And that's the, if that's the only thing that, you know, changed from last year, I think you're going to go from the best team ever in NHL history, a 65-win team, where even if you're 10% worse, you're still a fucking great team. So I'm going to go with the Bruins. And then a hot take about the division that has nothing to do with the Bruins. The Leafs are going to absolutely fall apart and start selling everybody. All right, that's Joey Parisi, former full-time co-host of the Bar Down Talking Hockey podcast. Uh, we're going to try and make this a little more of a regular thing because this show is yours just as much as it is Frank's and I's. Um, you know, you haven't done any work to help grow it whatsoever in the last year, but you were there from the beginning, so obviously you are a part of it. If you want to join back during period number two after you, you eat your chicken, you're more than welcome. But for right now, you can get the H out of here. Um, hopefully the Devils smoke the Bruins this season, but I hope the Bruins win every other game that they play. Good luck to you. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about the Devils. Um, you should be. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. You should be there. A higher Good odds. JP. There are higher odds to win the Stanley Cup on every sports book in the world. So yeah. go, go Devils. And that, we will Frank, send what everybody. Frank, what do we call that? That's called value on 31. That's value, right? It's value. That is not value. Um, <laughs> trash value. Um, we'll see how that goes with breaking bets for Frankie this season. I bet there's going to be a lot of games where he's got a couple two tree bucks on the New Jersey devils. Um, but that's it for Joey Parisi. Unless he joins back in the second period for now, we will send everybody to period number two. Wow. VP, you caught me way off. Welcome to period two. How the hell could I have like, because I didn't do my winner, my sleeper that was supposed to be in period one. So I thought we were just, Oh, that's right. That is supposed to be in period. So I was like, Oh, all right. You're going to, but I guess screw me. We'll go to period two. No, we'll finish that right now. We're still finishing the Atlantic. Pretend you didn't do the bard, the period. You'll have that ready to do it again. That's why you caught me. This is still period. Number one. That was Never a very, sent it back. That was a very comedic thing to do right there. That that was very funny. I mean, we've said it a thousand times. This show stinks. Just like they say on the Pat McAfee show. This show fucking stinks. We're just a bunch of idiots sitting here talking about hockey. We're not smart. We forget what period it is. Joey forgets that his team's number one rival exists. Forgot um, his chicken in the pan. He forgot his chicken in the pan. I mean, we're just a bunch of collective idiots here on bar down talking hockey so frank i like the order joey did it in let's start with the sleeper who do you think the sleeper team is in the atlantic division you know i debated this team not being a sleeper because i think they're going to be pretty good but my sleeper is the buffalo sabers they were so close last year 
I think they fix their defensive holes that we saw last year with Clifton and Johnson, and I think that'll help out a lot. I think their 12-year playoff drought finally comes to an end. Oh, so you're straight up saying playoffs for Buffalo. That's a sleeper. You're ready to say it. Yeah, no. Listen, right when you said I didn't know if I would consider them a sleeper because I just think they're good, um, I knew exactly who you were going to say right away because I feel the same way. My sleeper team is the Buffalo Sabres. The reason they're a sleeper team and not a straight-up just, like, good team, uh, Frank, a team that might make the playoffs for the first time in 12 years is a sleeper. Mm -hmm. And that was my final like decision of like, okay, I could have picked Detroit. I could have picked Ottawa. Those probably feel like a more conventional sleeper because I think everybody's kind of in agreement that Buffalo is awesome. Yep. But Detroit made the playoffs for 25 straight years and it just ended a handful of years ago. The Ottawa senators were a Chris Kunitz goal away from being in the Stanley cup final in 2017. Like, not even that long ago, Ottawa was in the conference finals. Um, So I couldn't couldn't muster up the courage to put them over Buffalo as a sleeper because, as you stated, Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs. What was going on in the world when the Buffalo Sabres? 2011. 2011. Take me back to that time. The Bruins won the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. over the Vancouver Canucks. The Sedin Twins were in their prime. Tom Brady only had three Super Bowls. He now has seven. Um... I'm trying to think. Uh, was Keith Kachuk probably still in the NHL? Um, <laughs> I honestly think uh, there's there's a chance Keith Kachuk was still in the NHL. Now his sons, uh, Matthew and Brady, are two of the best players in the league. Um, people still liked Mike Babcock. Um, <laughs> you know, there was all sorts of things that were different. What was the number one song in the world in 2011? I know 2012 it was Call Me Maybe. But a lot has changed since 2012. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, they're my sleeper team too. Frank. Rolling in the deep by Adele. Rolling in the deep. I could have had it all. Rolling in the deep. Yep. Frank, who's the worst team in the division? Joey nailed it on the head. Montreal Canadiens. They're a dumpster fire. Kirby Doc was second on the team in points with 38. Get that through your head. The top three scores on the Blackhawks had more points than Kirby Doc. Give me a break. They're just clearly rebuilding, and they, they don't have the talent to score, do anything. They're, they're just they're going to be the worst team. Simple yeah. as that. Kirby Doc's an NHL player, but he hasn't lived up to being a third overall pick. He, he, he's not going to Europe or anything like that anytime soon. He's not playing in the KHL. He's an NHL player. There's no doubt. He's just not a star. Right. And that's part of the reason Montreal is the worst team in the Atlantic division. I concur. I think they'll be better than last year. They'll be exciting. They're not going to be like a dumpster fire where I like that doesn't even resemble hockey at times. Um, you know, they're not San Jose. They're not Philly. They're, they're just going to be, you know, the Atlantic division's good. Someone's got to be on the bottom. That's Montreal. Um, I hope it doesn't last forever. They have a lot of salary cap. I do think they could make a push for a dry sidle if he becomes a free agent. Or, you know, one of these big boys that will be in the mix when it comes to free agents over the next handful of years. So they're the team I currently have slated as the worst team, too. Okay, Frank, who do you have winning the Atlantic Division? The team I have winning the Atlantic Division is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They finished second last year, and they're one of the only elite teams that made significant improvements this year. I think. 
the Bruins take a step back. I think the Lightning take a step back. But the the Maple Leafs, I think they're putting a better team out there on the ice this year. You know, I think they're really the only team in the division that made those moves that really improved them exponentially. So, you know, I don't think anyone else besides, you know, the Bruins or Lightning, who I think are taking a step back, anybody else, I don't think is ready to win a division title yet. You know, and the Leafs are always a top regular season team, and I don't see how they aren't again. Couldn't agree more. They're my pick, too. I think the Maple Leafs will win the Atlantic Division. I don't actually really see a clear-cut second place. It could be Boston. Could be Buffalo. It could be Florida. It could be Tampa Bay. You know, there are all these teams that have the course to be the number two team. I think um, Toronto's right there with the Devils and the Hurricanes as the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. I, I think that would be my top three. Um, they added, um, Bertuzzi and Domi. They are amongst the best top nines, especially with Matthew Nyes coming into the mix with Tavares and Nylander, Marner and Matthews. Obviously I, Matthews was the third best player in the NHL last season. Um, or he wasn't the third best player. He dropped to the third best player in the league on my list after last season, the Nate Daug passed him, but the Nate Dowg and Austin Matthews pass each other, it seems like, every other year. So I do think a bounce-back season by Matthews standards is in order. He'll go back up to the mid-50s in goals. I think he had 40 last year. And if you're a player with a down year, injured all year, and have 40 goals, that's a really, really good sign of how good you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the division. Frank, give me a hot take about the Atlantic division. This is steamy, just like last week. But, you know, my hot take is I don't think the Florida Panthers will be well out of a playoff spot. When I say well, I mean like 10 points or more. Okay. That is a hot take um, because I do think I'm going to put Florida in. A lot of people got Florida in. Yeah, they're one of those teams that's going to cause a lot of engagement. Why this is a hot take. Yeah, it's also, I think, though, it's a take that makes sense to me. I just don't know if I'm buying it yet. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those where I'm like, Frank, do you even watch freaking hockey? Like, it's not one of those at all. It's that'll get a lot. That conversation will get a lot of discourse between now mm-hmm. and the start of the season. Absolutely. I think. Uh, my hot take is that Tampa Bay drops out. I think this is a year where the lightning, they'll be a good team. I don't think they're mm-hmm. a great team. I think I Toronto's better. They beat them in a seven game series and got better. I think there's a chance Buffalo's better. I I think last year Buffalo only had like six less points than them. I think they get past that. Um, I think there's a chance Florida's better, and I think there's a chance the Bruins are better. Um, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning missed the playoffs this season. I think I'm leaning. That's my hot take. Yeah, I mean, I could see it potentially. I got them taking a step back. How far back? I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. Um, and maybe my thoughts will change by the time the season starts. And when we go to the uh, final playoff predictions, I will sit there and say, I've seen enough in the preseason. I liked this about this guy in training camp. Cause I'm going to be all over all 32 mm-hmm. teams training camps for puck pros. I'm going to be locked in on, I'm going to have hyper focus on Tampa Bay because of this hot take that I'm making public. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm not seeing it right now. And I will revert back to this episode and say I w- I'm changing my thoughts from September 20th. Um, so we shall see. Frank, I think now is the time that we finally head on over, actually this time, to period number two.
Welcome to period two. There were a lot of different things going on over the last weekend. There were regional tournaments in the NHL for, for the prospects in each organization. Some teams played their top guys once. Bedard only played in one game out of three for the Chicago Blackhawks in the Tom Curvers prospect showcase up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Adam Fantilli only played in the one game in Traverse City with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Leo Carlson played in all three games for the Anaheim Ducks in the 2023 Rookie Showcase, I think they call it, or Rookie something. Um, All these events are great. I love watching the highlights from each one. I only watched – I watched about a devil and a half game out of three, one and a half games out of three. Um, I missed the entire Saturday game. I watched the whole game on Friday and half the game on Monday. Um, They were off Sunday. Luke Hughes didn't play. Nemich played and looked great. Um, but is there anything from the prospect event, whether it's about Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, that you'd like to touch on? could touch on a little bit of all three. Bedard uh, played his, in his first unofficial game for the Blackhawks, and it was his first hockey game in five months, and he scores a hat trick. Are you kidding me? He had three goals and an assist and a 5-0 win. He looked very dangerous. Every time he stepped onto the ice, the way he shoots, catches the puck, passes the puck. It's all fun to watch, and I can't wait to see what he does on October 10th in Pittsburgh. Fantilli said, hey, well, I want to get on, on the hand tr- uh, hat trick uh, action. And in his second game in a Blue Jackets uniform, Fantilli uh, got a hat trick, and he helped lead the Blue Jackets past the Wild by a score of 10-7, to three goals, two assists. Uh, it was a shock to see Fantilli drafted third this past year. Um, but this kid's going to be fun to watch, and he you know, ultimately is going to help turn the Blue Jackets around in the long run. And then Leo Carlson, obviously out of Bedard, Fantilli, and Carlson, Carlson had the most, as you could say, disappointing tournament of the three, and he played in the most games. But it's still very good nonetheless. He had one goals, two assists. He looked great um, in those three games. And he's obviously only going to get better as the year goes on. It's, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, training camp goes for Leo Carlson and if the duck and the ducks, because, you know, nothing's guaranteed for him if he plays or not, but you know, all three looked really good and I'm excited for the prospects and things to come this year. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I wrote about all three of Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson separately on different fan-sided sites, so you could go catch my immediate reactions to all of those guys. Um, Fantilli and Carlson pieces are on Puck Pros, and then Bedard is on DeWindyCity.com. Um, I wish Luke Hughes played. I think the Devils probably would have had a better chance to you know, be better than 1-2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, without your top prospect, things are a little bit different, but there are some good prospect pools that played against the Devils. They played... Ottawa, Buffalo, and the Bruins. Um, So those are the teams that played against the Devils in Buffalo. The Prospect Challenge, I think it's called, in Buffalo. Um, Yeah, very cool that the league does this, though. Mm -hmm. It gives uh, 90% of those guys will skate in zero NHL games. But they got to put on the sweater and represent the team at least once. And I think that's so cool for all of them. Very cool. Um, Frank. There's a kind of a bit of ugliness going on in the NHL right now, too. Um, about a week ago, on one of my favorite podcasts, the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Paul Bissonette revealed a story. And, of course, Paul Bissonette, in addition to hosting Spit and Chicklets, is a TV analyst on TNT. Um, he revealed that Mike Babcock has been known for a long time for taking guys' cell phones when he first meets them 
and forcing them to look through their photos on the big screen for everyone to watch. <laughs> and I don't know if you know anything about kids in their early 20s who have iPhones in their storage of their photos on their phone. It's not always pleasant in there. Okay. Mike Babcock's revealing this stuff to people and it's making everyone uncomfortable. The Blue Jackets look into it. Mike Babcock denies it. Boone Jenner was the one player who was named because he's the captain. Um, he like kind of gave like a half-assed denial of it. And then it kind of felt like it was all going to get blown under the bridge, right? It's going to be water under the bridge. Babcock will continue. Uh, maybe he'll stop looking through players' photos like a weirdo, or maybe he won't. Then they're like, wait a minute. The Blue Jackets are still investigating this thing even after the statements and the Players Association is involved and other players are coming out saying things against him and Chelios is on Spit and Chicklets saying that, yeah, stuff like that does happen. And Mike Commodore comes out and says that a young, prominent Blue Jackets prospect, I'm not naming any names. I'm not naming any names. I don't know if you're going to – I recommend you don't. A young Blue Jackets prospect, there are a lot of them, a couple come to mind right away, um, confirming it, saying it, I mean, and all this stuff. And then Mike Babcock resigns as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets last week. Um, guy's just a weirdo. You might remember when it came out in 2018 or whatever it was that Mitch Marner revealed that, and I'm not naming a name, this is public, you could look it up it's not something that i'm speculating marner was forced to rank or rate all the players on the toronto maple leafs by how they are and then babcock revealed marner's rankings a rookie to the whole team of course that puts marner in an uncomfortable situation that led to him leaving toronto now he's out of columbus he's probably done in the nhl forever What's your reaction to this Mike Babcock situation? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, right? You know, and the Blue Jackets have come out and admitted that they feel like they've got this whole coaching decision wrong with, by hiring Babcock, right? And it's in the that it's in the organization's best interest that Babcock step away from the team, and you know, for the Blue Jackets to focus on the upcoming season. They don't want any of this to hinder anything good to come out of their prospects and good to come from the Blue Jackets this year. They want to focus on other things. They don't want to be focusing on this. Um, so they don't need anything silly interfering with that, and that's what they did. Babcock's gone. Uh, I don't didn't know if they hired anybody new to replace him. Or... Yeah, Pascal Vincent is now the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Gotcha. Well, there you go. Yeah. Babcock, major scumbag, right? Yeah. Like, no That'd need make for... me uncomfortable. It'd be weird looking through your photos, like even if there's stuff that's not like straight up weird, like weird. a meme that you don't want to show, like think about like your uncles who are in their 60s and 70s. Yeah, right. You don't really want them looking through your photos. Like I don't have really anything to hide that like would make me reveal me as like a person that needs to be canceled or anything like that. But like I got pictures on my phone of like memes and stuff that other people would be like, what the hell? Yeah, right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll I'm comfortable enough to like find an example. Like I'll just go through my photos right now. Why the hell do I have a picture of a winter wonderland in my phone? Okay. Like that makes me, if you don't get why I have that, you would think I'm a freaking weirdo if it's just on the jumbotron. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, why do I have this random screenshot of your October versus my October? And one's a hockey rink and one's a patch of pot. Like people might think I'm a weirdo. If yeah, you don't right. know me, you don't want that on the screen for everyone to see, especially with a creepy old man being the one leading the way. Like get that out of my face. 
Um, Babcock, smell you later. Never need to see you coach in the NHL again. The St. Louis Blues named Braden Shen to be the 24th captain in franchise history. I He was my prediction to be their captain this year. Um, I love the move. I think it's a really yeah. good character player to be their captain. What are your thoughts? You know, the, so he's the 24th captain in franchise history. If you look back at the captains, they've had some legendary captains, right? Just to name a few, you got Brett Hall, Chris Pronger, Al McInnes, Wayne Gretzky, and now uh, Braden Shen. And, you know, Shen shows a lot of leadership on and off the ice. He's been a part of, the, of a winning team here. He's been an assistant captain for three years. You know, you tend to choose your captain based on not how good they are, but what they've done for the city of St. Louis and Shen's done quite a lot since joining the organization in 2017. I don't hate this decision. I've really liked all the new captain decisions that have taken place this off season. So this is just another one to add to the list. I agree. And of course you allude to the Boston Bruins making Brad Marchand their 21st captain in NHL history. I do think it's funny that the Bruins are about 50 years older than the Blues, and they've had now 21 captains, and the Blues have had 24. Uh, Far less turnover in Boston, with Chara having it for a decade and a half, and Raymond Bork had it for about a decade and a half. Um, Very interesting stuff, but what are your thoughts about Brad Marchand being the one who was named? When many thought a guy like Charlie McAvoy might just be the young guy. Yes. I was going to say, because I didn't hear that. No, yeah, Brad, Brad Marchand is the 21st captain in Boston Bruins history. It was going to go to one of the guys who had the A on their chest. So, I, yeah, I like it. David Pasternak and uh, Charlie McAvoy will wear A's for the Bruins this season. Um, obviously, there's a big turn of power with Krejci gone, Bergeron and, gone. And Marchand's, like, the most vocal, I feel like, as the out of the three. Yeah. He, his voice will be heard the most, so, you know, that's who you want to be your captain. For sure. I assumed I did think it was going to be McAvoy. And then when it was Marshan, I was like, okay, I actually do really like this because Marshan, he has a couple years to be the captain. McAvoy will be perfectly ready for it when he gets it. He's ready for it now, but like Bergeron was ready for it when they gave it to Chara. So like, you know, there's all sorts of good things that come from doing it this way. I'm happy Brad gets a chance in the centennial season. A Bruin Stanley Cup champion is the captain during the centennial season. I do think yeah, that's important. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. On the contrary, the Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Davidson announced that they are not going to have a captain this season. Um, part of it is to honor Jonathan Taves and let it breathe for a little bit. Obviously, they have tremendous respect for the former captain of the Blackhawks. And part of it, in my opinion, is because there is real no clear-cut captain. You can make Seth Jones the captain, but if it were up to them, he wouldn't even be on the team anymore. If they could trade his bad contract, they would. Connor Murphy's a good choice, but like, do you give it to him even if he sticks around for a long time? Then you, then you put yourself in the position where you might have to strip it from a guy to give it to you-know-who eventually. Um, I don't even know why I'm saying you-know-who. Connor Bedard has been a captain at every level he's ever been. He's been the captain of Canada. He's been the captain of the Regina Pats. He's been the captain of various other things throughout his hockey playing career. He's going to be a captain in the NHL, I would think, as long as he just like doesn't become – you know, a total diva. Like I think Connor Bedard is captain material. The be- more now than ever, you look at the list of captains in the NHL, and most teams don't have their best player as the captain. Right. These days. That used to be a thing. Like you, you just name your best player the captain. That's not the case anymore. Connor Bedard is also very humble. Yes, I happen to think Bedard, even though he's the best player, is captain material. 
He shares the second best player. He's captain material more than used, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was ever a debate. Right. Really. So, like, and Taves, you you can argue there was a point he, he, where he was the best Hawk, but, like, Kane was the flashy one. He was mm-hmm. the entertaining one. Um, and he was never the captain. He never wore a C in the NHL, and he probably never will. Yeah. So, you know, what are, you, what are your reactions to this as the Hawk guy? No C. It doesn't surprise me, right? You shouldn't jump the gun on naming a captain, especially after getting rid of the best captain you've ever had in franchise history. I mean, Kyle Davids- Davidson stated, like, they're not choosing a captain out of respect. I mean, I think this that's great. You need to respect Taves and what he done for the city of Chicago. Plus, you don't need to have one this year. Like, I'm okay, completely okay with there not being a captain, right? Being a captain that puts a lot of pressure on you. No one on this team needs that pressure right now. They will know exactly when the time is right, and there really is no need for a captain this year for the for the position that the Hawks are in. So, like, I'm completely fine with it. It makes total sense. Do you think – because I do think it's nice to say you're giving Taves a break. Mm-hmm. I just do think it's partially hypocritical because if Duncan Keith was still there with two years left on his deal or if Patrick Kane was still there with two years left on his deal, they would have did exactly what the Bruins did and named, like – one of Taves' running mates, like the Bruins named one of yeah. Bergeron's running mates, the captain. I yeah. do think they would have a captain if Patrick Kane had two years left on his deal or if Duncan Keith was still around with two Yeah, years they left probably would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, yes, it's nice to say you're doing it for Taves, but, like, if you had a guy that you thought could be a captain for a year or two that made sense, you would do it. Jones is on too long of a contract. Murphy's not going to be here long enough. And that kind of leaves Bedard. So, yeah, I think it just all worked out where the Hawks can kind of do both. All right. Um, other than that, training camps are set to open. There are a lot of quotes coming out today. Um, from, we went over all of them pretty much though, from GMs and coaches and stuff. That's notable. Um, I think tomorrow, every player in the league is going to hit the ice training camps officially open tomorrow with on ice activity. Um, that should be super fun. So next show, we're going to have preseason games to talk about between now and our next show. The devils have a split squad preseason match on Tuesday or Monday evening, uh, half the team will play against the Flyers at the Rock, and half of the teams, half of the organization will play the Canadians in Montreal. So, just very exciting times. I'm super excited. Hockey is back, and we will have actual on ice things to talk about on our next show. Great preseason. Yep, absolutely. Can't wait to see how Bedard the the Bedard's first preseason game with the Hawks will be the greatest competition, the most skillful hockey game he's ever played in. Mm-hmm. And that includes World Junior, not the most pressure. The most pressure is by far the gold medal game where he was fucking magnificent. Uh Connor Bedard's performance in the gold medal game last season, which by the way, we never talked about this. The Blackhawks did announce, I forgot to mention, I didn't even write this down. They announced that their practice facility is getting a huge extension to it and that that's going to, you know, create awesome things for the local hockey community. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be ready by 2026. And then Good. I started thinking, huh, huh, the World Juniors, When's the? Well, how many do they have planned out ahead of time? Oh, we're in Sweden next year. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm excited to watch Team USA play Team Canada at 8 in the morning. Um, oh, the following year's in Canada. Oh, all the great games will be at 7 o'clock. That's awesome. 2025. Hell yeah. And they have the cities and rinks already 
designated uh-huh. for these. 2026. It's going to be held in the United States of America. But the city is unknown. That'd be cool. Oh, my God. That'd be cool. If Chicago hosted the World Junior Championships, I think I'd try to go to every single game. I'm being dead. That is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and they can have the Swiss play the Germans at the practice facility and have the U.S. play whoever at the United Center. You'll be back and forth between both all week long, and it would just be the greatest thing ever. And I don't think it would be all that expensive to attend the games because you look at the games across, you know, the span of history. It's not like sold-out rinks. It's not like the Stanley Cup final. The World Cup of Hockey – I know people who went to the preseason game in Columbus and, you know, when Team USA beat Canada. And that was awesome. Like, that wasn't that expensive. Like, people can go to these things. I would love for the World Junior Championships to be in Chicago in 2026. I think we would have to have special podcast um, content that came out of that being the case. Absolutely. Like maybe we, me and you could get like a cameraman to come with us. Like Aldo that'd be really cool. And that, oh yeah, just sign me up for that. The World Junior Championships in Chicago in 2026. I need it so bad. It's possible. Um, to say I've attended a World Junior game, that's like a dream. I love the World Juniors. I love it so much. Um, that's where I saw Nico Heischer play for the first time with no thought in my brain that he would ever be a devil. Right, I don't go in. Jack Hughes when he dominated with Team USA with Zegers and Caulfield on his line. Yeah. Oh my God, that was so fun um, to see the stuff like that live. The players playing in those years are thirteen right now, so not literally. They're like sixteen right now, fifteen. Um, I haven't heard much about the two thousand twenty-five draft. I don't know much about it at all. I couldn't tell you who's going to be the number one. But they probably do have an idea. Um. But, you know, we'll get to that bridge when we get there. Um, Frank, let's switch gears to talk about another very amazing, entertaining, wonderful sport known as football in period number three. All right, Frank, I'm going to be straight up with you here. We're just going to have a candid conversation. I didn't write this down. I'm going to start the football segment by giving you props on the Buffalo Bills. I was I, I didn't actually I don't know if I actually thought the Raiders were gonna beat them. I actually the other thing I was wrong about, I actually did think, and we'll get to that. But the Bills, it's like, okay, if you play like shit again against the Raiders, you're gonna lose. They didn't play like shit. Josh Allen was unreal. Mm-hmm. They made big plays. I still don't love that Josh Allen has a defensive mind. I, I would fire him and bring in an offensive new head coach tomorrow if I could. But they're not going to, obviously. So, And I love Josh Allen. I love the Bills. I love Chicken Wings. I love Bills Mafia. I love the Sabres. I love you. I want them to succeed. Go, Bills. What's your reaction to that game? You told me you better hope that the Bills and Steelers both win. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yep. Josh Allen, when he's not playing a team that's the Jets, will be Josh Allen, right? He just he can't beat the Jets. And I, I strongly believed in my head that it felt near impossible that the Bills would lose at home to the Raiders. It just didn't make sense. And it was one of the worst games of the weekend because they literally beat them down. And you're like, and you're gonna if they win by one, you'll come out on the show and say, no, they won by 28. They, they did great. 
I started the conversation by saying you were right. I was wrong. I understand. But I, also, I didn't necessarily – I doubted them. I did. It's not like I wanted them to suck. The NFL is – Josh Allen, Madden, like, fuck yeah. Josh Allen will be Josh Allen. I have all the faith in the world. I still got them going to the Super Bowl, and I stand by that. I'm not going to change my position on that. Very good. Who they got in week three? Commanders. The Commanders Ooh, in Washington, man. which another one of my picks, my sleeper to make a playoffs. I got it. They were one of my playoff teams. Well, we'll see if you named them. As, we'll see if you named them as a top 10 team um, after week two. Um, Skyler said Josh Allen redeemed himself as my starter. Yeah, I have him as a starter, too, in one of my leagues. So He's maybe. In guillotine. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, need, yeah, need Josh Allen to be good for the NFL's sake as well. Um, I'm happy that they got the win over the Raiders. I was pleasantly happy to be wrong about that. And I was really happy to be wrong about this next game that I'm going to talk about. The Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, let me say a couple things before I let you get into your uh, Steelers. First of all, the Cleveland Browns are a freaking joke. They have a better roster on paper than every team in the AFC, maybe besides the one team that's 0-2, the Bengals. They suck, though. They can't get out of their own way. Now Nick Chubb is injured. What do they do? They go sign Kareem Hunt. I don't know if that's a good move or a bad move. Kareem Hunt is going to Cleveland to replace uh, Chubb. Chubb's out for the season. Okay, well, what else were they supposed to do? Like, you got a better idea? I'm not saying I love it either, but like Ford, keep Ford. Well, they're gonna use Ford. I would use Ford as the starter. There's no reason. Hunt Hunt probably won't be the full blown starter until week five. He didn't have training camp. It's gonna take a minute. He might not even dress for the next two or three. I wouldn't be surprised. But Ford will need a break. Uh, He'll need some help, and I think Kareem Hunt can provide that. He's mostly been a split back in his career anyway. Everywhere he goes, he's had like a partner. Um. So we'll see. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are so interesting to me. I was listening to Colin Coward this morning. He was talking about their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. That guy sucks. They had nine completions in the whole game. Their offense <laughs> is terrible. Their offense is so bad. And T.J. Watt saved the game for the Steelers. The Browns outplayed them, and T.J. Watt took victory from the hands of defeat and gave the Steelers uh, – avoided them from starting the season 0-2. And it, the Browns were going to be 2-0 and with some quality wins. And they freaking blew it. Um, I Wait, did the Browns win in week one? Yeah. Yeah, they are 1-1. One one. They beat the Bengals. That's right. That's right. They beat the Bengals. I didn't know. Yeah, of course. Um, Deshaun Watson was awful. I don't think Kenny Pickett was good either. But, like, Kenny Pickett's not making $200 million. And he doesn't have 20 cases of sexual assault against him either. You know, I, I just I can't believe the Browns. They had this great roster. They were ready to take the next step. And then they make that trade for Deshaun Watson. He looks slow. I just I can't believe they, they were so bad and they still found a way to win that I'm like, if you're the Steelers and you're coming into week two or week three. You're like, we have to figure out a way to be better than that. Matt Canada called a terrible game. Kenny Pickett wasn't good at all. And the fact that he outperformed Deshaun Watson is saying something because Deshaun Watson 
was nasty. Um, I just I can't get over why like why the Steelers wouldn't make a change. And I brought up Coward. He talked about how loyal the Steelers are. Why are the Steelers so loyal to people that aren't helping them take that next step? They're always a great team. They're one of the best-ran organizations in sports, but they refuse to like make a necessary change when it's clearly necessary. They have dogs on the offense in Pittsburgh. They spend a lot of money on defense. I'm sitting here like, okay, their defense is awesome, but why is their offense so bad even though they have good players? They also got my favorite coach in the league. Mike Tomlin's great. I love Mike Tomlin. 500 in his career, he was dangerously close to starting 0-2, which is like known in the NFL as a curse. Mm-hmm. I think you have like a 13% chance of making the playoffs if you start 0-2, and that's like the reality they were facing until TJ, what? He's a superhuman too, by the way. He's probably a top three defensive player. He's there. incredible. He won. I but love TJ right, Watt. He's right there with Miles Garrett, right? who are a couple of the other dogs in the NFL right now, the Bosa's, right? Like, they're up there. Um, But what's your takeaway from Pittsburgh versus Cleveland? Because I don't don't think you're necessarily going to be happy with the way the Steelers play, but they found a way to win a football game. They look bad, but, you know, they got it done. That idiot on the Steelers who kept his feet in bounds, what an idiot. I, I I always – like, even if you let it bounce, it probably goes out of bounds. You get the ball at the 40. I mean – why are you trying to make that play if you don't know the rules? He was toe-tapping on the kickoff. What an idiot. Um, a lot of injuries in the game. Like, it just felt like every other play, somebody was going down with an in- injury. And Mika Fitzpatrick uh, was out with an injury. I don't know his status going into week three, but that's going to be a huge loss if he doesn't play. Um, they didn't look great. They got the job done. I'm not a fan of the Browns. Deshaun Watson t- took more face mask penalties than I ever seen a quarterback take. I mean, it's just the one guy just took him and just ripped him to the ground. He's an asshole. I can't stand him. Um, but you know, the Steelers got a good defense. The Browns got a good defense. The, the defense won it for the Steelers. Ultimately TJ Watt, they had a pick six to open the game. First play of the game, two defensive touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers won it. The, they won it from their defense. And you know, Kenny, uh, George Pickens, he looked great. Top 10 receiver, maybe. Yeah. I mean, when Pickett connected with Pickens, it was great. Um, Yeah. The Steelers need to step it up, though, because they haven't looked good. But Who do they, they have next? Hmm, I don't know. I could check really quick. Yeah, check really quick. I'm just I'm, – I'm worried about the Steelers. Me too. Because, like, I thought the Browns were going to win, and they should have. I don't think that's unfair to say. I'm sorry. The Browns should have won uh, – uh, Dead, the Bills, they deserved to win. The Browns should be furious with the fact that they lost that game. They, they like, out-yarded them by, like, 100, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, the Browns were just better, and they let the freaking Steelers take it in the end. And if I'm the Steelers, I'd rather win accidentally, of course, mm-hmm. than, you know, lose in a close way, I guess. But also, like, maybe not. I just – they they have some stuff that they need to figure out. Their offense is Steelers horrible. got the Raiders. Sunday night football. Oh, it's Sunday night football. Oh, okay. That's a fun little matchup between some yeah. pesky teams. I don't think the Raiders are bad, bad. And it's no in team... Vegas. Yeah, okay. I don't think any team in the AFC is bad, bad. 
maybe the Texans. But, like, I, I don't think any team is, like, truly awful. Like, in the NFC, there's three or four of those types yeah. of teams. Like the one we're going to talk about right now. The <laughs> Chicago Bears. I went on my rant last week. I'm not mad enough to do a full-blown rant like that this week because I'm, I'm numb to it again. But they are terrible. I told you they were going to be. I think, I, I think I'm finally out on Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I mean. I gave him too many chances, and week after week I say the same thing. Mistakes over and over again. Horrendous. You trade to get DJ Moore, you aren't using utilizing him as much. Chase Claypool needs to get more involved. I'm sick and tired of seeing designed quarterback runs on third and fifteen. I just can't stand it. It's annoying. Yeah. Um that's one thing I nailed. I have a good grasp on the Chicago Bears. I said I know nothing about the NFC or the AFC North. I know a lot about the NFC North. The Bears are terrible. I think they're the worst team in the NFL. Yeah. They might be. They really it's might a shame. be. We could be looking at a one and two pick, though. They have yeah. the Panthers pick, who are zero and two as well. So go it's every not team that's either. No. Oh, so they could have one and two. They could draft Caleb Williams. That's what I want quarterback. Them to get. Me too. They could draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, the wide receiver, and just have a sick offense next year. That'd be sick. That's what I would do. I'm being dead serious. That's I, what I, I agree. I, that's not bad. You draft Marvin Harrison. thing. The last time I looked at a receiver um, in college and thought they could be that good, he was drafted 20th overall by the Minnesota Vikings, and his name is Justin Jefferson. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably better in college than Jefferson was. He'll be a top-five pick. Yeah. And if the Bears could get a guy like that and Caleb Williams to throw to him with DJ Moore, with Darnell Mooney. I'm sick and freaking tired of people blaming the coaching staff for the Bears. Listen, Eberflus sucks. He's a horrible coach. They just announced like five minutes ago that their defensive coordinator has resigned. He might be going to jail. Who knows? He got Hallis Hall raided. Uh, his <laughs> own home was raided. You know, we'll see what comes out about that. It's a dumpster fire. Um, Luke Getze. Luke Getze might just not trust Justin Fields. Did you ever think of that when he's making these shitty play calls? Because nobody thought Luke Getze stunk when he was in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers wins two Super Bowl or two MVPs. Yeah. Nobody thought Luke Getze sucked then. It's almost like sometimes the quarterback makes coordinators and head coaches look a certain way. And we all now think Luke Getze sucks or maybe does Justin Fields just freaking suck? Mm-hmm. Okay, does he need to be Aaron Rodgers for Luke Getze to look like a good defense offensive coordinator? Certainly not. Certainly not. But he needs to not suck. There was a play where they were, a receiver was wide open right ahead of him in the end zone, and he walked into a sack. It happened like four times. He holds on to the ball too long. Yep. They're not designing plays for him to like use his athleticism like they did last year. And I, I just think... I just think it's insane that they they use him the way that they do, but I also think it's insane that he takes no steps. Freaking, what's his name? I think it was EJ Manuel slated to start for the Los Angeles Chargers in week one a couple years ago, and then he got hurt pregame, and they threw Justin Herbert in, and he was awesome right away. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared about the coach. Nobody cared about this. It was clear that Justin Herbert is great. It, to me, is clear that Justin Fields is not great. Could he go somewhere else and they develop him into a star? I'm not ruling out that possibility. But with the Chicago Bears and what they do and how things are, he stinks. It's not working. I everybody's Everybody blames everybody else except him. 
<laughs> and I know wins aren't a quarterback stat. They're not. You could be a good quarterback and lose a lot. Look at uh, Eli Manning. Look at, and I know Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, but he either won the Super Bowl or came in last place. Um, look at Phil Rivers. His record's horrible. But he had 4,500 passing yards every single season. Some The quarterback wins is not necessarily a record, but you show me an elite quarterback that has lost 12 games in a row. Go ahead. Name me one. Can't. You can't. You just can't. Elon Musk didn't own Twitter the last time the Chicago Bears won a game. <laughs> it's just, it's a pathetic disgrace. I, I'm, I'm vehemently rooting for them to lose. I, I can't believe we're going into week three and I'm already on the tank mode. Well, I mean, they're not going to beat the Chiefs. Can you imagine if they did, though? That would, would be on par with how sports are, though. That would arguably, though, hear me out. That would arguably piss me off more than losing to Green Bay last week. I mean it. Okay, you got the one win against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Then what are you going to do in week four? Lose again and be one and three. And I'd rather you be 0 and 4 than 1 and 3. I really would. I really, really would. They're not going to the playoffs. The NFC North was wildly overrated coming into the season. Minnesota and Chicago are both 0 and 2, and Detroit and Green Bay are both 1 and 1. Now, I do think Detroit's a good team. They had a battle with the Seahawks, and it went to overtime. And we both picked the Seahawks to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I do think Detroit, through two weeks, is the better team out of the four in the NFC North. The Packers shit on the Bears, and then they blew a multi-point, a multi-score lead to the Falcons in the fourth quarter on Sunday. So, like, I think they suck, too. But, uh, I don't know. I'm so disgusted with the Bears. And, like, we're going to hear all this shit now about what's going on off the field. And... I, I just – and the same thing goes that I said about Fields for Eberflus. Name me a great coach that ever lost 12 in a row. You just can't. And they're not – they're the first team in NFL history to lose – the longest losing streak in the NFL is 24. Mm -hmm. But the Bears are the first team in NFL history to lose 12 straight games and all 12 of the losses be by 25 points or more. Or, or not be by 25 points or more. They gave up 25 points. Oh. Or more. I was about to say what? No, they didn't lose. They lost by uh, one score to the Buccaneers. But, like, it, that's like your defense is that bad, huh? 12 straight losses, 12 straight games, giving up 25 or more. It's bad. It's very bad. Um, give me the number one pick again. And don't trade it this time. Um, Frank, I think it's time we close the third period. By ranking our top 10 favorite team, or not top 10 favorites, the top 10 best teams in the NFL yeah. following week two. You take into consideration what you saw in week one and yeah. week two, and you form this list. We're going to do it every other week. Okay. So that way, because not much is going to change between this week and next week. But I think a fair amount of things could change every two weeks. You might yeah. drop a team out. You might elevate a team in. A team might drop a couple sure. spots. So. Let's do it like this. We will go from bottom to top, um, starting at 10. All right. Who do you have as the 10th best team in the NFL? I got the Packers. I got the Green Bay Packers. I like what I've seen from Jordan Love. The little bit I've seen, they blew the game against the Falcons, but they still look good in that game. So I think I gave them the respect of having number 10. 
Very good. All right, I have the Washington Commanders as the number 10 team. 2-0 and start, some quality wins. Um, big game this weekend, obviously. Oh, yeah. And it should be fun to watch. If they pull out a win there, they'll be much higher on this list, and I will believe in them as oh, a yeah. playoff team. I already um, believe in them. Yeah, I kind of do too. Sam Howell is really good. Really he likes good. to air the ball out. He's from North Carolina. That's all they did was air the ball out. Sam Howell is playing well, and people are still believing it's everything other than Justin Fields in Chicago. Joke. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine, I got the Washington Commanders. Like I said, Sam Howell looks good. Commanders didn't look great this week, but they got it done. They're 2-0. and Big test this week, but number nine. I have the Seattle Seahawks. Big overtime win against the um, Detroit Lions. They're now 2-0. and um, I, I had them as a playoff team coming into the season. I'm standing by it. Now people are going to start wondering if they'll compete for the top spot in the division. I don't think so, and you'll see why. Um, but I do think they're going to be a very, very good team, a hard out. They could win the Super Bowl. Like I, With the NFC being as wide open as it is, Seattle's right there, so I have them at number nine. Yeah. Cool. Number my eight. Num- my number eight is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars look great. They won their first game. They look great against the Chiefs. They could have beaten the Chiefs, but, you know, it's hard to picture Patrick Mahomes going 0-2, start the season. Played them well, played them tough. They're going to be good this year. Number eight. I have the Buffalo Bills. They came into the season at number five on my list, and since then they have one complete shitbag game and one complete really good game. Uh, the complete shitbag game booted them out of my top ten completely. After last week's game, they are back in at number eight. My number seven is the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, like, basically the same reason you said. Statement game last week just put my, all my faith back into him. I really never lost my faith. Winning by 28 points, I still very high up on my list. I expect them to crack the top five when we do this again in a couple weeks. At number seven, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um I think they were probably number six on my list before the season started, and they have one game that they looked pretty good against the Indianapolis Colts, couple issues in the first half, but they pulled out a multi-score win. That was nice. And then last week, their defense played great against the best quarterback in the NFL, and they couldn't get that one extra touchdown they needed to either win the game or force overtime or anything like that. So I still kind of have the Jags exactly around the area of where I think they can be. Um they lost to the Chiefs. Everybody loses to the Chiefs. They'll beat most of the other teams that they play. I could see them having the number one seed in the AFC, but um, getting through the Chiefs, scoring on the Chiefs was an issue. Uh, defending them, though, I took a lot of positives away from their defense, and that was the question mark coming into the season. So once the offense gets back on track, and I think it will this upcoming weekend, Jacksonville's will climb my list more and more as the weeks yep. go on. Yeah, I could see it. Number six. Six, I got the Dallas Cowboys. Scored 40 points against the Giants week one. Scored a boatload of points this week. I didn't know if they'd make the playoffs this year, right? I had the Commanders kind of maybe taking their spot, but now they're 2-0. Commanders are 2-0. Eagles are 2-0. Tough division. Cowboys look good. Felt the need to give them number six. Number six, I have the Baltimore Ravens out to a 2-0 start, beating some pretty good teams in the meantime, too. Um, Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think uh, Jim Harbaugh is – you know, an incredible coach. He's won the Super Bowl before, and they have the courage to, you know, build the team the way that they want to build it around Lamar, and I think it's done wonders for them. I like Odell Beckham Jr. as part of the receiving core now, so it should be interesting to see how they progress in what is a very, very good division. The team that's the best on paper is 
0-2. So if the division kind of flips on its head by week four, then we could have just some really, really good football down the stretch. Yeah. Number five. My number five is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're su- I'm surprised they haven't left my top five because they. I'm telling you, Patrick Mahomes, I said this after week one, he doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. His team doesn't look great, but they're still going to get their turn the season around, I think, still make the playoffs, obviously, and he proved that against the Jaguars, but he slipped down to five because before the season started, he was definitely one or two. They were up there as one or two. And uh, now they're down to five, but hey, they're going to be the Chiefs. They're going to end up winning. You know how that goes. So that's where I got them. At number five, I also have the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost by one in week one. They could easily be 2-0 and oh if they convert on a game-winning. We've seen Patrick Mahomes have a game-winning drive. Actually, I'll go to as far to say if Kadarius Toney makes that one catch where he had the open field in front of him late in the fourth quarter, uh, they probably would have beaten um, the Detroit Lions and – you know, all would be well for them. Um, I think the reason Patrick Mahomes hasn't looked completely like himself so far, they're still working out things with their receivers. Kelsey's back and he had a touchdown, so that was obviously good news. But the rest of the receiving core beyond that is not what it once was. And they need to get it straightened out as the weeks go on. I think they will. I think Patrick Mahomes is good enough where in practice certain players will rise above that you might not have thought could. Um, it should be interesting to watch all season long. Their defense, it's the best defense Mahomes has had. And he's got two Super Bowl rings, and this is the best defense that he's had. If he can figure out his weaponry, I think they could easily win the Super Bowl again. And I kind of like the Chiefs' philosophy of, hey, we're going to pay Chris Jones, and then everybody else on the defense is like a second- or third-year player or less, and they're all making pennies. So we could possibly go spend some money on offense uh, depending on who may become available at the trade deadline, it wouldn't shock me if they called up the Bears and said, "Hey, what do you want for Darnell Mooney? Hey, what do you want for this guy? Hey, what do you, you know? Call up another bad team, um, Minnesota. Like, what if Justin Jefferson says he doesn't want to play on a losing team anymore? Like, that would be crazy. Like, there are all sorts of different things that I think could happen. Um, Kansas City at five, Frank Philly, or who at four? The Philadelphia Eagles. I think you kind of predicted that was coming. <laughs> Um, you know, they beat the Patriots uh, 25-20 in week one. Patriots got a good defense, still managed to score 25 points. They scored 34 against the Vikings. It was 34-28. The score looks a lot closer than it was. At the end of the game, Philly kind of played some prevent defense. Philadelphia looks great. That's why I got him at four. I also have Philly at four. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to like mess it up and kind of spoil it for both of us, but um, yeah, Philly's one of the best teams in the league. Jalen Hurts is an unreal quarterback. They have great weaponry, and I really like their defense. They have the best center in the NFL with Jason Kelsey. Uh, he was just on McAfee earlier today. Really enjoyed that interview. I'm going to watch the Kelsey doc on Netflix, I think, soon, and then I kind of want to start listening to their podcast. I forget what it's called. Um, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, mm-hmm. they host it. Um, really cool dudes. Love Philly. They'll probably be right there in the mix for the NFC by the end of the season. I have them at four right now. Number like three. It. My number three is the Miami Dolphins. Um, Tua's looked great. Beat the Chargers, scored 36 points this past week. Against a better defense in the Patriots, he still looked okay. They got it done, and uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. Understood. And number three, I have Dallas. I think the Dallas Cowboys have probably been the most impressive team in the NFL this season because of expectations. Um, I had them making the playoffs, but they were the last team I wrote on the NFC side. That is not the case. I actually think they're going to compete with the Eagles. 
for the NFC East. I think Washington will probably lose a couple extra games, still probably make playoffs as a, a wild card team. But I, I think it comes down to Dallas and Philly for the NFC East, which is always a really compelling division, no matter what, because it's the East Coast bias. And Dallas is one of the sweethearts of the United States of America for whatever reason. But this is the best Dallas team I think I've ever seen. Yeah, they're very good. Number two. Two, I got the Baltimore Ravens. They looked great in week one. Week two, they go into Cincinnati and beat a division rival. They look great right now. Um, Lamar Jackson looks better than I thought they would. And, you know, they were one of my true contenders, I thought, this year that could win the Super Bowl. And right now, they're everything I thought they are, they're that and more. Um, I have Miami. I think the Dolphins are incredible so far they had a really hot start last year and then Tua started dealing with all the concussion type stuff and they were investigated and all that i saw that Tua is wearing a special helmet that um changes the way like the shock waves when he gets hit and is better suited to help possibly prevent him from receiving another concussion or having other head issues down the line so and he's been making his throws um, I can't think of a receiver duo in the NFL. There are better maybe overall receivers possibly, but I don't know if there's a better receiver duo in the NFL than Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And Tua, Tua, Tua hits them well. Their defense is very good, and they're a complete team. They're the Buffalo Sabres of football, other than they have made playoffs, but they're the team that people always just assume sucks. Jacksonville kind of deals with the same thing too. They're both top 10 teams, but people say they have a hard time understanding that they actually are good because of their reputation. The Dolphins are one of those teams. Um, They're one of the best teams in the league. It would not shock me whatsoever to see them playing in the Super Bowl. Number one. Number one. I think we're both going to agree this with it here because we haven't set them and there's really only one team left. I got the San Francisco 49ers as my number one team. They've just been rolling over everybody. Their defense is tremendous. Tremendous. Brock Purdy, I had faith in him going into this year. He's been great. The 49ers look like Super Bowl contenders, like true, true, maybe the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. As long as Brock Purdy protects the football, they absolutely can win the Super Bowl. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Um, as long as he's, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, making 800 k Um, they can spend money elsewhere. They have a lot invested on this team. They probably have the best linebacker core in the NFL. Nick Bosa is a top three pass rusher in the NFL. Um, I like their weapons. Debo Samuel, although he didn't have quite the same year last year that he had the year before, he's still probably the most unique weapon in the NFL because he's a receiver and a running back at the same time. Uh, kind of like Taysom Hill minus the throwing and less of a tight end type player, but he's very fast. He could run. He could pa- catch. He's outstanding. Line up as a wide receiver. Go out as a tailback and still receive passes. Um, just an unreal player. I think the world of San Francisco. They are undefeated in games that Brock Purdy starts and finishes. They are undefeated in games that we didn't even mention this player. He might even be the best player on the whole team. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, every single game he started, they have won since coming over from the Carolina Panthers. I firmly believe the San Francisco 49ers, as we stand after week two, are the best team in the NFL. Yep. I can't find a hole. What's a hole? They have the best mind, offensive mind at head coach. You know I love my offensive head coaches. Um, quarterback is the biggest question mark. It, can Brock Is Brock Purdy like here to stay? 
Is this like so. a, a one-off show? Is he going to be their franchise quarterback that makes $10 million a year? Like, do, does a guy go from mystery relevant? Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round and, like, wasn't as flashy early on. The first three Super Bowls were largely because of Vince Wilfork and Teddy Bruschi and how awesome their defense was. I think he's here to stay. I hope so. I, I would be a great – it would be – he's not going to win seven Super Bowls like Tom, so it will never be as good of a story going from sixth-round pick to seven-time Super Bowl champion. Um, but they would still have a great story with Mystery Relevant becoming a Super Bowl champion if that were to be the case. Um, hopefully he doesn't get hurt this year because I would like to see it play out. I left honorable mentions I wrote under. I left Detroit and the New York Jets. That's fair. I think the Jets are screwed now, but I do too. But their roster's good. Their defense will hold them in games, but Zach Wilson is terrible. Yeah, I mean, if they won four games this year, I'd be like, I'm not surprised. If they go four and thirteen. Yeah, I I would be surprised only because of their defense. They're 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 like really good, and their weapons are so good. I'd be on the phone if I'm New York Jets right now. I do not stop texting the Minnesota Vikings. But they need a quarterback. Why wouldn't the Vikings take a two first round picks for Cousins? You're not winning the Super Bowl with him. Kirk Cousins would go to New York Jets and play great. Yeah, yeah, I'm tired of Kirk though. He, he doesn't do anything. He's not prime time. He does. He stinks. He was Kirk. good in their last game. He was good, but that's because the defense of the Philly they just held up a little bit. I... Put him on the Jets with Brees Hall and all those great receivers that they have. You mark my words. I'm not saying it would be it would be Stafford or Brady switching teams going to an elite team, but it certainly wouldn't be Russell Wilson. I sleep on Kirk Cousins. You do, because he he was great against the Eagles and they still lost. It was not his fault. And he won a playoff game in his career now. Like he's he's a B plus quarterback and that's all the Jets need right now. I guess. Um, no love for Detroit though. No, they're an honorable mention. Okay. If I had to choose one, you didn't name Seattle. Why? I don't know. I don't like what I see from them. Okay, I'm a little nervous about them. I, I had feel them the same the way about Green Bay. I'm a little nervous, and I think about every other team. Well, yeah, Green Bay won't be in the top ten long. I don't think. Okay, but I just felt like every other team I named deserved to be in it more than Seattle and the Lions. So. That'll change. We'll see what happens in a couple weeks. I show you your current top 10 the night before week one starts, and you are most shocked at the omission of? The Packers. Omission, who you have missing. Oh. There's a team that's missing. The Bengals. Yeah. Can't believe it. And I, I was like, do I make them 10, even though they're 0-2? But that would just be so fucking disrespectful, the teams that have won games. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, you can't. As much as I want to. <laughs> I still think they're a top three roster. Like, they'll probably get right back in the mix. I just – I'm not ready to say they won't make playoffs. They could be in that 13% that goes from 0-2 yeah. to playoffs. They've done it before. They were 3-3 three and three after six weeks last year, and we, they made it to the NFC, AFC Championship game and barely lost to the Chiefs. So – We'll see about the Bengals, but it's a good NFL conversation. I'm excited Absolutely. for week three. So excited for week three. Let's go Bears against the Chiefs. It would be funny if they were. Um, let's – well, there's got to be um, 
there's one game that I wanted to mention. Okay. Yeah, Dolphins Patriots or no, that was the Monday night game that was amazing. I thought that was a great game. I know the Patriots kind of got killed, but I just enjoyed watching those two teams play. Um they're oh, Eagles Buccaneers. I'm very excited to see how real deal the Buccaneers are. Do yeah. they get do they get killed or Probably. do they we'll see. um win? We'll see. The they are two and zero, but the teams they played against are zero and four combined. Exactly. So this is a big test for the Buccaneers against the Eagles. A lot of people forget that the Buccaneers still have their almost entirely their defense that won the Super Bowl. Not almost entirely, but the important guys on the front, those guys are all Super Bowl champions. Were there with Tom. Um, I am a little surprised they're two and zero, but Me too. they're two and zero, and so is. Three of the four teams in the NFC South. Yeah. Can't believe it. That division's it's crazy. supposed to stink. Division's supposed to be terrible. All right, Frank. It is time to move on to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Frank, 52-52-1. You have sunk solo in the last handful of weeks. I'm disgusted with you. You're taking my money and you're lighting it on fire like the asshole that you are. Redeem yourself right now. If you fuck up, you'll be below 50%. I know because I got three picks. Unless I get a push somewhere, but I don't think that's going to happen. Coward. Um. First, we're going to start on the MLB. We got the Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. Kevin Gossman's going against Michael King. Blue Jays are in the middle of a tight battle for the playoffs, whereas the Yankees are dead. They couldn't be more dead if they wanted to. However, Gossman has been walking a lot of batters, giving us a fair share of home runs lately. If you do that in Yankee Stadium, you're in trouble. It's one of the easiest stadiums to hit home runs out of. So I'm going to side with the Yankees today at home with some underdog value at plus 100. Second pick. We're going to go for the Thursday night football game. I think I'm going to make this a regular thing. I like doing that. 49 or the Giants go to play the 49ers. I think the Giants are in trouble. The 49ers have appeared to be the best team in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Scored 30 points in each of their first two games. They appear to be a freight train that just can't be stopped. On the other hand, Giants defense has looked horrendous, giving up 40 points to the Cowboys in week one, 28 points to a lousy Cardinals team in week two. I expect the 49ers to be too strong at home for their home opener. So I'm taking the 49ers team total over 27 and a half. I think they could get 28 points with ease and it's plus 100. So I like the value there as well. So leads me to my third and final pick, which will take place on Sunday. Chargers taking on the Vikings. Both teams are 0-2, but I think the Chargers are light years better right now. The Chargers have have scored 58 points, haven't turned the ball over once, yet they're two and they're 0-2. I can't I can see a world where the Vikings are 0-3, but I really can't see where the Chargers are 0-3. I don't see that predicament, especially the way they played, uh, especially the way the Vikings played at home versus the Bucks, where they looked awful. I just I think the offense of the Chargers blows past the Vikings on Sunday. So I like Chargers money line at minus one hundred five, and those are my three picks this week. Very very interesting. Very very interesting, Frank. 
you better uh, you better hope you do well. Because if I see that percent start with a four, <laughs> um, that's going to be trouble. That is going to be trouble. That is going to be. I'm just not, not going to be much trouble. I'm just going to make fun of you like a little bit like I do when you're well, wrong, like you do when I'm wrong. The only one I could really get a push in is the Chargers getting a tie against the Vikings. Oh, I think the Chargers are going to smoke the Vikings, dude. I'll say they should, but but no. maybe not because maybe Kirk Cousins he 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 pulls everybody back in whenever they're out. Um, that's our show. I think it was a great time. We had a lot of conversation about the Atlantic Division. We had Joey Parisi join yeah. us for the first time in a long time. That was very fun. I take it he's not coming back right now. He's not he coming later back later in the right show. Now. Yeah, no shot. Um, but you know. Maybe he'll come back on. We have episode 130 next week. So doesn't our 100th show feel like yesterday? And we've had 30 weeks go I by. Know. I know. And I would say the weeks get messed up, but it's they – we did two one time, and we did zero the week we were in Door County. So it has been 30 weeks. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for our shows going forward. Hockey season is upon us, and we will be – ready for spring training or preseason action training camp starts tomorrow. I hope everybody enjoys it. Make sure you read all Frankie shit at apptrigger.com. Make sure you read all my shit at the windy city. All of them, you know how to find it at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening.